Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Radio, we're right there. We're presented by... Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, back somewhat effective at the moment from uh, Las Vegas. It's too early, Randy. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I'm Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us, CD. How was your weekend, man? It was wonderful. It was... It was well, you know, it was my first weekend not having any football for myself or my son. So that part was a little bit, you know... Sad, but the rest that I got this weekend is unmatched. It's, that is the definition of mixed emotions, right oh, there. Oh yeah, I love I, that for I you, definitely. Carrie. Thank you. I, the, the amount of rest that I was able to get Saturday, Friday night, Saturday was whew, it was it good was something you. that I have not had in in two, three, four months. It, it felt really good. Glad to hear. So I'm I'm good today. And here we are, the week before Thanksgiving, and man, a lot of stuff went on this weekend, including your St. Louis Blues who are at Colorado tonight to take on the Avalanche. Pre-game at 7, face-off at 8 here on 101 ESPN, and I know that there were people, our own Brandon Kylie said, they're going to beat Vegas, they're going to beat Vegas. Vegas had won nine in a row coming into the game against the Blues on Saturday night, and lo and behold... The Blues come away with a victory. I did not see that coming. I don't think anyone did other than BK. BK yeah. was was the one that predicted that this would happen. Um, but, you know, it, it, was a, it was a good win. It was an opportunity. They, it felt like they played the style that they have been trying to play all season yeah. long. They did not give up the lead once they got it. And they got an opportunity to keep to stay in the game and keep fighting. That that to me was the best part. They didn't they didn't they didn't feel like they were were being out physical. They didn't feel like they were being outskated to the puck. They did everything in the way that they that you would like. There are obviously there are things some, that some things that need to be cleaned yeah. up. But all in all, to go in there get a victory versus a very good uh, Vegas team. You know, kudos to them because they had been struggling and now they're starting to get a taste of what the victory feels like and, mm-hmm. and hopefully they can continue. And it was good to see Ryan O'Reilly play a Ryan O'Reilly type game because he has had, I think by his own admission, a really bad opening stretch to the season. He has a goal and an assist. He was not great in the faceoff circle, but he dished out some hits. Uh, he kept the puck. He maintained puck possession for the Blues. Had, uh, let's see total of four different attempts on goal. So he, he had a really good day and a really good night, obviously. Coach Craig Bruby, how were the Blues able to win this one? Well, we played really well for two periods. Like, the whole game, that guys battled and competed and uh, we played a smart game. Stayed out of the penalty box, you know, checked well. You know, did a real good job not giving odd man rushes up like I talked about. And then offensively, I thought that uh, did some real good things in the offensive zone against, you know, they got a, that's a good defensive structure they have there. And 
I thought that we um, had patience and did a good job. And, C.D., it's interesting. When you look to the veteran lead the way, Braden Shen has eight hits for the Blues on Saturday night. Nola Chari had four hits. Justin Falk had four hits. O'Reilly had his night. The veterans really stepped up on the road. Yeah, they did. And and that's the thing that you need in order to be successful. Barbashev had a, had a pretty good game as mm-hmm. well. You know, got the goal. They are they they were finding ways. You know what else excites me though? The the younger guys that you see. When I see Callie Rosen out there, he's his opportunities, he's making the most of his minutes on the ice. Um and and for me, when you see that happening, you feel like that's a guy that may get more time the more that he plays, the better that he plays. It's exciting to see them starting to to hit people, Randy. That was one of my things. Um, when they played the Predators, it like it looked like they just got out physical. They were just getting beat up and it looked like they were soft and and Saturday night, um, they seemed more physical. They were more willing to to hit people and run into people and not just shy away from the contact. So I think that allowed them to be more successful Saturday night and, and get an opportunity to win that game. Hashtag LGB, 7 o'clock pregame tonight against Colorado, and the Blues need some revenge. College football on Saturday. So last year in Columbia, Kerry, the Mizzou Tigers allowed 62 points to Tennessee. So they went out and they, they revamped their defense. They went to the transfer, transfer portal, got a couple of players, got a new defensive coordinator thinking, okay, we'll be able to handle Tennessee this year. Well, this year they allowed 66 to Tennessee rather than 62. Uh, 62-24 was the final on Saturday. And it, this game was 28-24 early in the third quarter. And it wound up 62-24. Yeah, that wasn't good, Randy. No. It, it was – here's, here's – there are a lot of things that, that could be done better. Um, you know, finding something offensively is going to help them is going to be more beneficial. Would be, it would be a good thing but, to find. But, but here's the thing. He's the leading rusher as well. Yeah, he's yeah. got 100 yards rushing. He's got 217 yards passing. Is there someone else that you could put in there that is going to be more effective, more efficient than what he's doing right now? I would say that Tyler Macon is a better runner than he is. And Is he a better thrower? Because, because over they, the course of the season, I don't think he could be much worse. Well, I I, I don't think that anything could be much. When no. you're giving up 66 points defensively, right. like you you're <laughs> you putting yourself in a position yeah. to not win any games, right. unless you're just unless you have a high powered offense that is able to compete and continue to go. They are struggling offensively, and 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 obviously their defense, who we thought who has been really really good all season long, ran into a buzzsaw in Tennessee because that Tennessee offense. I told you they were they mm-hmm. were on fire from losing the game last week, from not being number one in the country anymore. They were trying to make a statement to get themselves back into that top four. Uh, they're still not there yet, but they are headed that way. Quarterbacks like twenty four. Like any anytime these these older quarterbacks who have been in college for yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime these, these ah. quarterbacks have been in college for this long, I know Bowie. they're gonna, no, I just know they're gonna be they're they're going to be guys who can break down defenses. They're not going to get flustered when the game's close like that and you're at home and you're against an unranked opponent. I'm not I'm not I'm not taking anything away from the guy. Yeah. I'm saying it's it's just it's just those guys handle those kind of situations different, and that's why I thought I thought Tennessee the entire game was at some point just going to hit the gas pedal and break out because Mizzou wasn't dominating at the line of scrimmage in the same way they were against even Georgia. And if you can't do that, at some point it was going the dam was going to break in, in favor of Tennessee. And Tennessee, unless you have a Georgia-type defense, yeah. Tennessee's going to score. In their games this year, they've scored 59, 34, 63, 38, 40, 
52, 65, and 44 points before they scored only 13 against Georgia. And then they put up 66. They play South Carolina. They're going to put up at least 50 on South Carolina. And they'll put up 60 on Vanderbilt, too. That's a lot of points. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't do the math that quickly, but I'm sure that's over 40 points a game. That is well, yeah, yeah. So, so they're, yeah, they're, they're pretty darn good. They're uh, they're impressive. And just to give you an idea, the plays that they run, and that's one of the things Josh Heupel had a great deal of success with uh, here in uh, at, when he was the offensive coordinator at Mizzou. They always run tons and tons of plays, and uh, almost a hundred plays that they ran on Saturday. Meanwhile, your Fighting Illini, number twenty-one at the time, Fighting Illini. Played Purdue, and that wasn't so great. Kerry Davis is like, he's acting like he has a massive headache right now. You can't see it, but Kerry Davis is upset. If if people, to my Illini brethren, brothers and sisters, I, I, I know you know how I feel. You all feel the same way. This is this is very frustrating. We, we get all of our hopes up. We start believing in, in what we're seeing, and then somehow, some way, it just falls right off a cliff. And to lose two games at home versus Michigan State, who was under 500 at the time, and to a Purdue team who was struggling, lost two in a row, knowing that, that you have a have a chance to win the Big Ten West, you really had an opportunity to, to walk right into the Big Ten West, into the Big Ten Championship game. And now you put yourself in a position where you no longer control everything. To lose those games, to lose those games is one thing. To lose them both at home, back-to-back in the manner that they did. And I know, you know, some people, oh, there was a pass interference call. There was this, there was the The defense didn't play as well as they normally have. Chase Brown, God love him, he got, he got 98 yards, he didn't get 100, but he had a very good game. But they still were not able to find the, 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 right, the right things at the right time. Could not make the plays that needed to be made when they needed to be made. And again, some of the calls were, were, were atrocious. There was a call last week versus Michigan State where Isaiah Williams got hailed, and it was clearly pass interference. Mm-hmm. But those things happen in football. How do you respond? For me, it is extremely frustrating to be an Illini fan because I this is this is what we fear, Randy. This is who we, you this are, is right? Who we, we are who we thought they were. This is who we are, and it is always this way for us. Why does it have to be this way for us? Why can't we just go walk into the Big Ten Championship game? Have a nice thing, right? Why can't we? We can't have nice things, Randy. No, we no. can't. We're that group of people, that group of kids that every time you get something nice, you break it. <laughs> and then your parents don't give it to you again. Right. That's who we are, and it is so. It is burning me up, man. Oh, it's it, crunching. It, it's, yeah. it, it, it hurts my heart that that every time we get excited about us doing beautiful things, wonderful things in college football, somehow, some way, we break that new shiny toy, and we got to figure out how to how to glue it back together. It's pieces missing. We're trying to glue it back together. It doesn't sit the same. It's still there, but it, that that that's where we are right yeah. now. I, I was thinking of you. Is that? Thing <sighs> that was that was sad. Yesterday, NFL Bills and Vikings, and I texted the guys. I said, when Josh Allen fumbled in his own end zone and Minnesota recovered, I was sitting by myself and I said, "Oh my God!" And Kerry texted back, said, "I did the exact same thing." What a wild! <laughs> so wildest part of that game? What was the wildest thing? I mean, you, oh my you, you God. had the Justin, <laughs> Justin Jefferson catch, right? You had the the Josh Allen touchdown. He had the stop at the. At the goal line. And that was, by the way, after Jefferson had scored a touchdown yes. that was reversed. Yes. There were so many things that happened in that game. You have fourth, third and one. 
the uh, they run a play action. The, the Vikings do. They run a play action fake. They're offsides. The uh, the the Bills were mm-hmm. or fourth and one. And 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 he throws it to Dalvin Cook and Dalvin just drops it. He walks into right, the end right. zone and scores. The next play they get stopped. Then the next play Josh Allen fumbles. It was so many things. And then we're not even talking about. One of the best catches in in NFL, based on what I, I will not put it above the the Tyree uh, head catch. I will right. not put it above even what Julian Edelman did in the Super Bowl when he caught that ball that was barely off of the ground. Mm-hmm. Those were catches that, because of the moment that they were in, were special. I wouldn't put it a, ahead of Santonio's catch in the end zone based on what that meant to me in the circumstance. Um, but that catch, fourth and 18, one hand, the defender has two hands on it. Mm-hmm. You go up, snatch it out of, the, out of the air, and fall down and somehow keep that ball off of the ground. Justin Jefferson is a different cat. He is, he is something that we, I mean, I don't like to go too far and, 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 and really, if he continues on this path, he can go down as, and, and, as one of the greatest yep. receivers to play this game, and it might not be close. He's unbelievable. And by the way, recency bias, I know, is a part of daily life in America and with what we do. But I'm trying to think of a better last five minutes in overtime that I've seen. A more compelling situation with all of the different stuff that happened. I can't imagine that there's been a game in the last five minutes and in overtime where more stuff happened. It was a lot. I mean, it was just so many (laughs) things. The Vikings had to crawl, scratch to get back into that game. Dalvin Cook took a 70-yard run for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Like, there were so many storylines. You got Dalvin and his brother on the Bills team that are are facing each other. Their family is there. Like, that game felt like a playoff game. And it felt like a game that you would want to watch on Saturday or Sunday night in the playoffs. That was was amazing. Hey, what number Super Bowl are we? I don't know. I don't even know. We're 57, I guess, something like that. These are two teams that are both 0-4 in the Super Bowl. Two franchises, Minnesota and Buffalo. What a compelling Super Bowl that would be. That would be. That that would be. I mean, just based off of that game. And and it's crazy to say because Kirk Cousins is not a name that you would think as a a quarterback that can lead a, a franchise to a championship game to a Super Bowl. But he is playing very well. He's not. He he had some some bad throws. Mm-hmm. He had some things. That's why Justin Jefferson is so amazing because he's not throwing the ball accurate every single time. And no. Justin is going to get it. He's making plays happen. It's like, dude, how are you? How are you doing this? He is. He. It is fun to watch them. And it is. It is. It is a. That was a very very good game last night. Yep. And finally on Friday, St. Louis City SC had their expansion draft, and they drafted f- a total of five players. And what we're going to tell you in a moment about the classiness of this organization already. So they they draft uh, forward Nicholas Giacchini. They draft uh, midfielder Indiana Vasilev. They draft defenders Jonathan Bell and John Nelson. And then I thought this was really classy. Uh, They they drafted Tiger Woods caddy uh, Joe LaCava and then traded him back to South. Jake Jake LaCava. Jake. Jake. It, it wasn't Tiger's caddy, <laughs> Joe Lacava. I, uh, I don't think that was him. It would have been a good, you know what? For the press release alone, for the press release alone, would have been a good move. Sorry, never mind. Uh, his name is Jake Lacava, but don't worry, you don't have to worry about that name, Randy. He's not playing for St. Louis City. I see oh, they traded him. Don't worry about it. Throw out the window. I thought it doesn't matter. I thought it was a classy organization that was going to trade him t- closer to Tiger. I was going to say, yeah, yeah trading Joe Lacava to. 
Miami would be a nice move for Tiger. You know, we got we got to make sure Tiger's <laughs> healthy. The golf world is on it. I, I understand, Randy. You know what? You're just thinking. You're thinking for the betterment of people, and that's why we love Randy. Yeah, I think people are the best. We're often running on the opening drive on 101. Are still on the Cardinals? No. Does he own them? Does he still pitch for them? I don't know. Coming up, three things we love from the weekend on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Character time for three things we loved about the weekend here. Number on three, one one ESPN. For me, it was obviously the Blues getting a win in Vegas. That was uh, just as 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 much as we were frustrated with the eight game losing streak. We had the the count, the number down, you know, the the, the number of the day. Uh, it was just a lot of things that we were frustrated about. Frustrations seemed to be mounting. There, this team seemed to be going in the wrong direction. Here they are with two games, one in a row, back to back, with an opportunity to get a third one. Um, just just seeing them play the game the right way or starting to play multiple periods the right way as opposed to a period here, this period not so great. You know, putting putting periods in a game back to back to back is is what's going to allow them to win. And I think they did that on Saturday. Hopefully they, hopefully they can continue that tonight. Kerry, my number three is, and you are in the Hazelwood Hall of Fame, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, I went into the Parkway Hall of Fame on Saturday night. Thank you. Uh, we, we had 20 people that went in, the classes of 2020 and 2022, and I am among the 20 people, probably the least, well, not probably, certainly the least accomplished of, of the, the 20. I did get to inform the crowd on hand, though, because I learned early in the proceedings, they were telling a story of the history of the Parkway School District and how they started adding libraries soon after the... Uh, the district opened. So in my little talk, when I went up to accept, I said, one of the things about Parkway is you never stop learning. As a matter of fact, I learned tonight that we had libraries. <laughs> <laughs> Learn something new every day. <laughs> exactly. So thanks to all the people, uh, Dr. Keith, Marty, and Sandy Reichtel, and the entire group that was a part of putting together the, the Parkway Hall of Fame induction. It was very cool. Congratulations, sir. Thank you, sir. I, I hope just like one day Randy's like a motivational poster in like Parkway. It's like, <laughs> doing bad in school? Don't worry. It gets better. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the thumbs <laughs> up. Yeah, just like some really corny thumbs up on a Randy character. Just like, don't worry. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a great sign for 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 students all over. Oh, there's no doubt. The yeah, there you go. I yeah. love it. They, they, there is something ultimately for the half of the class that makes the top half possible. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. The Bills versus Vikings was obviously the best game of the weekend. Uh, if I can get that level of football. From on my Sundays, I will sign me up every single day because, as you said, it was back and forth. There was two teams that were competing at the highest level. The Vikings are a team that, you know, you don't. It's hard to believe that they are sitting atop of the NFC division, in top, atop of the NFC North, the way that they are. One loss all season to the Philadelphia Eagles. They are playing extremely well to go into Buffalo and find a way to come out of there with a win, albeit a lot of help from Josh Allen with the turnover in the end zone for the touchdown and then the interception to end the game. Um, but just just finding ways to win football games for that Vikings team is 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 amazing, and you know they are going to be a team to, to 
keep an eye on throughout the entire playoffs. Kerry, my number two is the absolute chaos that exists in college football because Ohio State and Michigan are number two and three in the country. They have to play each other. One of those teams is going to lose. All right. Tennessee has lost one game. It was to number one Georgia. TCU is sitting at number four and undefeated. Does TCU move down if Tennessee uh, winds up winning their last couple of games? And then LSU is going to win the West of the SEC. LSU could beat Georgia. They aren't going to a playoff with two losses, but they could throw a real monkey into the wrench if they beat Georgia and Ohio State rolls or Michigan rolls through. Are those one of those two seeds, the Big Ten champ, the number one seed? And if you're Ohio State or Michigan and you've lost to Ohio State or Michigan, you have a legit claim to one of those top four spots. There's going to be eight schools that have a legit shot at being in the final four, and it's going to be even crazier down the road because the chaos is going to be fantastic. More of a reason to add more teams into this playoffs. I yep. mean, four teams is tough. It's difficult when you have an LSU team, as you said, that could potentially beat Georgia. You got I don't know how Alabama is still lingering around. They find a way somehow. They can't, they, they can't put them in, but for some reason they find a way to, to linger around. They won't be in the SEC championship game, but there are so many teams right now that are trying to find their avenue to get in the, into that top four, and you said a TCU team may be on the outside looking in if, mm-hmm. if Tennessee keeps playing the way that they do and Ohio State and Michigan keep playing the way that they do. So it's going to be it, it is going to be a very tough task to figure out which four teams are the best four teams to put into this this uh, college football playoff and who's going to be able to win a championship. Kerry, I watched USC on Friday night. I can't imagine anybody wants to play yeah. USC. Yeah. I, it, they probably won't be in the final four. But they're the proverbial team nobody wants to play. And and nobody gets to see them because they're out west. They right. play after dark. And I mean, yep. nobody, Saturday night, you know, it, it's tough to watch those those SEC, I mean, those USC games late, <laughs> late at night, 9 p.m. on a Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It's going to be hard to, to keep all of those teams out. But they got a tough job this year really trying to figure out. Normally it's easy. You got yep. Bama, you got Georgia, and then you got a Big Ten team, Ohio right. State. That's that's simple. Now Clemson usually Clemson is usually in. Now, Clemson's not playing well. Alabama has lost a few games. You got guys that are competing at different levels and and trying to find a way into this playoff, and hopefully they make it more teams sooner rather than later. It's chaos. Number one. Randy, my my number one is a a feel-good story of all feel-good stories. Cameron Babb, a, a CBC graduate, a kid that plays for Ohio State, scored his first touchdown Saturday, um, and if you watched what, how that team celebrated him. This is a young man that tore his ACL his senior year. He tore his ACL three more times. Senior he is tore, year in high school. Senior year in high school. Tore his ACL three more times after that. He's had four different ACL tears. He is. He was voted uh, one of the captains earlier this year. He is a kid that is, is when you talk about perseverance, uh, attitude, just grit, continuing to work hard, not complaining, this is what this young man is. Got an opportunity to score his first touchdown. I tweeted it. I retweeted it. It was a beautiful scene. The entire team ran to the sideline to congratulate him, hug him, you know, cry with him, pat him on the back, and just the amount of perseverance that this young man has had to deal with so many injuries to finally finally get in the end zone in college is a is a true it, it just gives me chills watching that video and thinking about 
about it and talking about it, you know, hats off to that young man uh, and, and just the amazing job that he's done throughout his entire career fighting through the amount of adversity that he has. Uh, a guy who basically doesn't get a chance to play, but he's one of the top leaders on yep. that team. Yep, yep. He is beloved in Columbus, so Indeed. that is great to see. For me, we talk about the great things that we get out of having sports teams here in town, and over the weekend, the Cardinals did something, and they promoted it last summer, but but they did something really cool. They had a company called Upper Deck come into Upper Deck Golf, come into Bush Stadium, and set up nine different spots within the stands to hit balls, golf balls, down onto the field. Mm. And so you'd go from station to station to station and hit balls and try to hit to a target. And the the ballpark Friday, Saturday, Sunday was packed, and the proceeds go to stand up to cancer. And I'll tell you what, the Cardinals opening up the ballpark for a charitable endeavor like this, not that uh, Upper Deck Golf didn't make anything off of it, but the Cardinals opening up the ballpark to raise money for cancer research was terrific. I had a chance to play it yesterday morning, and it was very cool, and I always like going to a, a unique golf situation, and that was clearly unique a unique golf situation. Didn't hit it particularly well, but it was really fun and a family fun event, and thanks to the Cardinals for opening up the ballpark and allowing people to do cool things with Bush Stadium. They do an amazing job of, of, of doing things in the community and giving back and making sure that fans are engaged and in, in not just coming to games, not just you know paying the ticket prices and paying the concessions and parking, but giving back in ways that keeps fans engaged and wanting to be a part of Cardinal Baseball. So hats off to them. Yeah, the Cardinals announced last week uh, this, their donations for Cardinals Care and money raised through Cardinals Care. They do phenomenal things for the community, and thanks to them for doing it. Those are three things we loved about the weekend on 101 ESPN. Coming up, speaking of the Cardinals, will they succeed in getting gooder with their new hitting coach? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, Turner, what can we expect from this lineup going forward? Plan on getting gooder. Look, I love to have fun with the guys, you know, but, you know, and to keep things light. It's very tough. Hitting's very tough. It gets tougher. It gets tougher, I think, every year. But, you know, the, the expectations for us, as I've talked to these guys, I uh, hadn't got through all of them yet, you know, uh, through the offseason, but I've talked to a lot of the guys already and already kind of planning for the, the next year. But, but corporately being better as a group in a sense of game planning. And that's one thing that I, that I love. And I think that, you know, helping these guys adapt, some of these young players, get, get, helping them getting to a veteran mindset. And of course, working on the mechanics and, and, and stuff like that. But, but really corporately being as a group and really kind of going in and solidifying the game plan individually and corporately as we uh, we go into the, the season. And That is Turner Ward. He is the new Cardinal hitting coach. He was with us Friday morning here on the opening drive. Carrie and Randy on 101 ESPN. Corporately is an interesting word because that to me, connotes a, a culture that the Cardinals want to have offensively. And I don't think anybody, if, if you look at what the Cardinals did at the end of the season, mm-hmm. being third in runs in the National League and third in OPS and first in OPS+, plus, if you would have told somebody, me at least, before the season, okay, the Cardinals are going to be third in the National League and runs, third in OPS, first in OPS+, plus, I'd say I'd take it. Right. But 
the, the inconsistency bothered a lot of us. And he talks about the game plan. One thing that always sticks with me about Mark McGuire, CD, is that McGuire told Michelle and I multiple times, by the time you get to the ballpark, you should have all that information that mm-hmm. you're going to have. When you walk to the plate, you should have all the information. You shouldn't be going after your first at bat and collecting right. information. And that sounds to me, Turner actually used a phrase that Mark used hitting is feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we can relate this to what you did on the football field, too. In, in my opinion, when you're a hitter, and I've said this before, the worst thing that you can do is think. If you have that game plan predetermined by the time you step to the plate, seems like life's going to be a whole lot easier for you. And I mean, it should be. If you have an idea of how this specific pitcher is going to try to attack you and you know what pitch you feel comfortable hitting, that to me seems like the information that you should have prior to your first at-bat. You don't want to give any at-bats away. Um, and it seems like to me Turner has the, the mindset. One thing that I love that he said when we spoke with him is, you know, the players get all of the credit, and if it goes bad, I take the blame because mm-hmm. I'm the one that has to make sure that I have them prepared. I have to make sure that they are ready for for whatever comes against them. So I am excited to to see. I mean, just listening to him, he sounds like a guy as a player that I will want to play for. Like I will want to work with and and be interested, engaged every single day to go into work and see what Turner has for me, what he saw, what what how can I get better, um, how can I continue to to succeed at the rate that I am? Um, because he seems like a guy. He's done it himself. Uh, he he's played he played in the majors for twelve years. He understands you know the ins and outs of of going to work every single day and what that what that requires and how to be successful. So I am I am I was I was intrigued by his conversation. He sounded he sounded like a guy that really gets it. And when you have you know Arenado and you have Goldie and you have two MVP candidates already there, you got a couple of guys that you think you know in Tyler O'Neill if he's here that you can work with. Juan Yepes is he a guy that you can you can get in to be that DH and, and fill that role that Albert maybe has 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 left. Um, you got some guys, some pieces to work with, and and it should be interesting to see how it all ties together each day. And specifically to Yepes, Gorman, Donovan. Uh, a guy coming up like Jordan Walker, a guy that's going to arrive on the scene maybe sooner rather than later in, in Mason Wynn. How does Turner Ward approach it when he's dealing with with a young hitter? What's the first thing that he wants to work on? Well, I mean, of course, one thing I'm trying to do is just know who they are and, you know, kind of how they think. Um, I tell guys all the time, I really can't help you unless I know what you think. And meaning, that, you know, there's a mechanical mental side to the game, but I I call I don't like my calling myself a, a really like the term watchman. I'm going to watch these guys. I want to see how they handle situations and you know how have they had their success. You know I, I don't want to bother a guy until he's like you know there's failure. And to me that's the one of the greatest le- learning tools anyway. So there's a there's a process in my mind of, of what I do, but I've got to watch these guys. I got to see how they. You know how the league adapts and adjusts to them because really it's the pitchers who's teaching us. You know what we need to make the adjustments. So the league will tell you, hey, you can't. You're this this style of pitch, this low, this location, um, this shape. I mean, so the league lets you know what you need to work on. So I, I, I kind of go from there. There's no reason to change a guy's physical approach. Right. Maybe you change his mental approach, like. Turner said when he starts to deal with some adversity, 
I think that's an interesting term, though. A watchman. Just yeah. keep an eye on a guy yeah. and wait, because inevitably every hitter fails, wait until he fails and then get to work. Well, the things that get you to the big leagues are are things that you don't necessarily have to correct. Those or want guys, to change. Or, or want to change. So what he's saying and what I believe he's saying is I'm going to watch you and figure you out, figure out what it is, learn, talk to you, figure out what you, how your approach to hitting is, the things that you enjoy or the things that make you successful. I'm going to watch you, and then the moment you stop having the success that I've seen you have, I can tell you exactly why, because maybe you, you, you changed your stance just a little bit, or maybe the bat isn't as high. You're not seeing the ball as well for whatever reason, and those are the things that, that can help a hitter. Just those small, minute details. We talked about it with, with Adam Wainwright, with him not knowing or realizing that he was a, a, an entire foot off Mm-hmm. from his normal landing spot. Those are things that coaches are going to see, should see, and be able to correct sooner rather than later. And, and one thing that he said, Randy, is I want to know what the person knows because I, I I can't help you if I don't know what you don't know. I, I need to know all of the things that you, you know about hitting, that you enjoy about hitting, how your approach is so that I can help you when when that time arises. If I don't know, if you've never, if we never discussed certain things, I don't know that you don't know that. So now I have to teach you that as well. So I, I thought that that was interesting also. One of the things that I picked up in covering the Cardinals every day in the 80s because they had Coleman, McGee, Pendleton, Ozzie, Hurry. You've got five switch hitters on the team. And just talking to those guys about preparation, one thing I never thought of is if you're a switch hitter, you're taking BP from the left, taking BP from the right. You're essentially two. You have to put in the work of two different hitters. Mm -hmm. And Turner Ward was a switch hitter in the major leagues and had a a relative level of success. And now he's going to have Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson. So how will he approach those fellow switch hitters? No, I do because of that experience. You know, I've heard comments even, should we just let this guy go to this side of the plate or stay on this side of the plate? And I was one of those guys where they, they said that too, but you know, but I was really struggling as a as a switch hitter. Let's just say at the start of the season, I was, I was buck eighty one side and two hundred on the other. I said, man, I, I'd be like, I'm three eighty right now. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just uh, again, uh, no, I, I do. I believe I bring a lot of experience uh, from that standpoint, from a drill perspective, from approach perspective, and just a just a human movement because. It is. It's not like you're two different hitters, but you are two different sides of your body trying to work to do the same thing. So that's got to be a benefit to the to the young switch hitters. John Mozeliak was happy with the Cardinals' offense last year, mm-hmm. even though they did get shut out what seventeen times, and they were inconsistent. He was happy with the approach. And they would not have hired Turner Ward if they weren't confident that he would bring a lot of the things that Jeff Albert brought to the table. But if he can, because he has that experience as a major league hitter, if he can bring some different ideas approach-wise to the plate and make more guys improve, then all the better, right? Yeah, definitely. And and being a guy that has done it, um, as you said, a switch hitter, he can he can speak. I think that is beneficial because he understands hitting from mm-hmm. both sides of the plate. So if you got a left-handed batter or a right-handed batter, he can help them with with the small, minute details that you know maybe a guy that only bats on the right side may not be able to help a left-handed batter. So I think that that being a switch hitter, having switch hitters in his lineup, it just is a lot of things that he understands as in terms of hitting and how to help guys, you know, stay on the correct path and when they when they may, you know, de- deter just a little bit, he can get them right back on the path and get them going. And I want to 
throw one more name out there, and that's Brandon Allen, who they brought up to be his Turner Ward's assistant hitting coach. When Paul DeYoung came back and was good for three weeks this past season, it was because he'd worked with Brandon Allen at the minor right. league level. Those guys that the Cardinals set out or that came up and succeeded early on, the Brendan Donovans of the world, Gorman got off to a good start. He was hitting the daylights out of the ball at AAA. Those guys were working with Brandon Allen mm-hmm. at the minor league level. So I think that's a real advantage that the Cardinals have, too, is that he knows these young hitters as well as anybody. Yeah, it's important to be comfortable. And when they are, when, especially when you're a younger guy really trying to figure your way out into the league and you have some success, but sometimes you don't have the success each and every day, having people around you that you're comfortable with, that you've worked with in the past, definitely helps you get that thing going in the right direction. So it was good to hear from Turner Ward. Great guy. And uh, actually, he said whenever we want to call him, we can. So we will. During the, We'll call him every day during the season. <laughs> Honestly, what's going on? That second answer he had about getting to know guys mentally, and then also then the second half of it he's talking about knowing what the pitchers give you, if that's not the that's all perfect about. breakdown between human and numbers that we've been talking about this, you know, for almost every day on this show, I don't know what is. That's yep. exactly what I wanted to hear. That's the perfect right down the middle what I wanted to hear. I revere the hitting knowledge of Mark McGuire, and obviously you've got a SoCal guy and an Alabama guy, but I hear a lot of the same things. I hear a lot of the same things from an approach standpoint. So for those of us that really liked Mark McGuire as a hitting coach, this guy's pretty good too. That is CD. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We have Take It or Leave It coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Gary Davis, Matthew Rocky, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, and it's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. All right, TD, it's 2022, 23, 24, 26. 20. Take it or leave it. The Los Angeles Rams won't be good again until at least 2027. 2020, ooh. 2027. That's long, five, that's five years. years. Five years. They have virtually no draft picks. Aaron Donald's going to retire if he already hasn't. Their quarterback is old. They only have one real offensive weapon. They don't have the wherewithal to rebuild their offensive line. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's getting up there in age. He's not as effective as he once was. And Hmm. because they don't have first and second round picks for a long time, I'm going to say that that it's going to be the case. You might have to take that. You might have to based on... The fact that they, they, I mean, they got their championship, though. That, that's what they thats what they signed yep, up yep. for. They went and drafted. They, they got rid of their draft picks and signed a lot of guys for that purpose. So you, you, you can't be too upset if you're a Los no. Angeles Rams fan. You got your championship, but they may not be good for a while. And it's going to be hard in that division. That division is always one of the toughest ones in the, in the, in the NFL. So they may struggle uh, going forward. And it's two quite points. Possible. Number one, yesterday. Even more Arizona fans, apparently, in the stands at SoFi wow. than Rams fans. Nah, yeah, it, nah, it, it does happen. Says a lot. Yeah, it, it does. And the other thing is, I don't think Sean McVay is really a genius. 
I really don't. <laughs> Can you be considered a genius if you call yourself a genius? Probably not. No, I no. don't think so either. I, no. I don't know that he's called himself a genius, but he seems like the kind of guy that would say, I'm yeah. a genius. Yeah. I'm a football genius, right. a football support. Right. How can genius disappear? Like, he, he was like, he no. took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, Todd Gurley. He did, huh? He had Todd Gurley. <laughs> You're not wrong. And I get the offensive line's a lot worse, but I mean, how does it, it's, it's, which is more baffling, Sean McVay or Aaron Rodgers? Both then becoming non well, athletes get older, influential play. Yeah. But like Sean McVay hitting a wall seemingly as a coach is almost even more surprising than a guy just getting old, finally losing it to Father Time. Have you ever seen a great coach without great players? Hmm. Great players make geniuses. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Very good point, Randy. All right, Randy, I'm gonna give you some numbers. Justin Jefferson has 265 catches. 4,076 yards in 42 games. Mm -hmm. Other names on that list in their first three seasons, because this is two and a half seasons for him, 48 games. Randy Moss has 226 catches for 4,163. Jerry Rice has 200 catches for 3,575. And T.O. has 162 catches for 2,553. Take it or leave it, Justin Jefferson surpasses. Now, his touchdowns are not as high Mm -hmm. as any of them. He's the lowest on the touchdown list of all of them. But take it or leave it, Justin Jefferson surpasses each one of them in yards and catches. I'm going to leave it because Jerry Race is on the list. Okay, take it or leave it, he passes the other two. I'll take that. Okay. (laughs) I will take that. And you know what? I believe, in my heart of hearts, that if Torrey Holt would have stayed healthy, he would have wound up with more than yeah, those two, than yeah. T.O. and Randy. Yeah. That, that is amazing. Justin Jefferson is, he is he, terrific. And, and he's doing it with Kirk Cousins. That's a really That's important the- point. <laughs> I asked Isaac one time if uh, his most impressive feat was catching more than 100 balls for like 1,800 yards from Tony Banks and Steve Walsh. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what put him in the Hall of Fame. All right, your tech 65780. Matthew Rocchio, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. The Blues should make their goal horn a few seconds longer. I like this for Randy Carriker. It feels like it's not in your face enough to the opponent. I'll take that. I'll take that. Anytime you can extend it. Yeah, just do it. Mm -hmm. Why not? That's the character specialty. How about what if they, about this right here? What if they got multiple different goal horns to potentially no. play in succession? <laughs> no, because there are people that memorize all thirty goal horns, and really? they're all the same. Yeah, so like there there are people, and we probably have people in our listening audience that if there's an app with all the goal horns, mm-hmm. that if they hear a certain goal horn, they know what That's arena it's from. What? That's yep. pretty amazing. I want to test these people. That sounds fascinating <laughs> to me. Uh, take it or leave it. We just watched the prequel to Super Bowl 57. Zero and four Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl history take on the 0 and four Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl history. Super Bowl 57, Vikings Bills, one of them finally gets their championship, and this person seems to be a Vikings fan because they ended it with Skull. Yeah, I got to take it. You're taking it. Oh, yeah. Really? Yep. You Minnesota, don't think beats, you, Minnesota beats Philly. Yep. You you think that you think that Minnesota is is that real is a real is the real deal? I do. And you think that you think that the the, the Chiefs are not going to have any say so in in what happens with the Buffalo uh, Bills? They'll have say so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. And the Miami. Well, some, and some, there are some pretty good teams in this AFC side. And that was a big loss for Buffalo in terms of home yeah. field. Yeah. I mean, they, they just dropped down from from the number one team in the AFC East to number three. They, yeah. they are behind Miami and New York. Yeah. By the way, one of the other things that happened yesterday, I was going to mention this in the, the Rams question, they went from 14th to 7th in first-round draft order 
But Detroit has their first round. Uh, that terrible. makes me so happy. Take it or oh, excuse me. Um, take it or leave it. Kirk Cousins is a punchline that deserves more respect than he gets. Leave it. You like that? Yeah, I will. Uh, <laughs> by the way, was that a take it? I'm leaving it. I'm ready to kick. San Jose Shark School Horn. What do you think? That is is that how long it goes? Yeah, it goes for a long time. <laughs> That's pretty good. I gotta admit. Yeah. That's pretty good. I like that. So that's what they that's what they want. Now let's see if I can make it stop. <laughs> can, I say something, can I say something? Can I say something controversial yeah. about the Blues goal horn? Yes. I don't like the hay chant after. Oh the Blues no, goal. you gotta like the hay chant. I'm sorry. It's local. Can, I, can I just say that right now? I just I don't. I'm oh, not, Rock, it's you're, not you're, my you're thing. gonna be by yourself on I'm this be island, by sir. On this one, yeah. I know. I know. You, you, is, but I, you I, know I, what I, I respect I, about you, Rock? You don't mind standing on an no, island, I'm man alone. I, I, I can re, I can respect that. Now that I, I respect completely. A principled man, Carrie Davis. <laughs> I'm a bleeding heart living in the Missouri. I'm doing great. Take it or leave it. The Bills Viking game was better than Bills Chiefs last year. Oh. Uh, I'm going to take it because, and and by the way, who will ever forget those 13 seconds, Yes, That was incredible. That was terrible. But man, there were so many, like, non-football things that happened that was so, were so, like the penalty, or or Jefferson getting stopped at the goal line and the replay preventing him from scoring the touchdown. Uh, the, you mentioned the, the penalty earlier. It, yeah. The, the Allen fumble. Yeah. The, the mistakes that were made. It wasn't just great play, and that Buffalo game had a lot of great plays. This had other extraneous things that happened. The, the Gabe Davis non-catch that they hurried <laughs> oh, yeah, up and yeah. ran a play so that it wouldn't be reviewed. There were yep. a lot of things in that game Sunday. Um, I still don't think it was better than the KC Buffalo game because that was one of the, the I mean when you talk about shootout oh. you talking about whoever gets the ball last you know they're going to win Josh Allen was throwing strikes to Gabe Davis yeah. in that game he was throwing strikes down the middle and Gabe Davis was making big plays it was that I, I would say the Kansas City game yeah. and it was versus the Buffalo game. Bills yeah I think yeah. that was a better game the playoff factor is the only thing I think that gives the the Chiefs game still maybe that that little bit of push here. Take it or leave it. Adrian Martinez and Sean Clifton have been playing college football for twenty years. Adrian Martinez has. I thought I was in college. He, he, I, they, I legitimately thought I was still in college when he last played. I, I, I when I, when, when when I, I heard his name, I said, "What does he? Do? How is he? How many years has he had? He, he's got to be close to six or seven years." I mean, it, with the COVID, I know a lot of these guys with injuries and free, and and then you got your red shirt year. There are a number of kids that have stayed on college rosters six and seven yeah. years. Did, well, it is absolutely Bear Bannister amazing. at Mizzou is a sixth year guy. That, it's amazing. And did Jed tell us he's got a seventh year guy? I think maybe Lindenwood has a seventh yes. year guy. Yeah, maybe. So, so it's, it's not it's not as bad as we think. Adrian Martinez was the class of 2018 coming out of high school. 2018. Yes, but still. So, 18 season, 19, 20, 21. That's five. Five years. It feels like more. It, feels it sure like does. So much yeah. <laughs> well, that's because his brother played in Nebraska too. Yes, that, and that and he played when I was in college. So that makes it seem like he's been. That it's been might be years. what I. That that may be what I'm thinking. It's absolutely what it is. Uh, that was a uh, magic. Was that his nickname? Magic Martinez? Something like that. It was something magic, I think. Um, Take it or leave it. The Ravens went out with their schedule and grabbed one of the top spots in the AFC. I could see it. I'll take that. The Ravens are in a position to to win the AFC North. And 
It's going to be tough for them to, to, to be, as long as they can take care of the football. They got Panthers, they got Jags, they got the Broncos, who may be without a coach by that point. Mm-hmm. They have the Steelers, who finally got a win. Yay, Pittsburgh, good job. Uh, then they go to Cleveland, uh, and then they have the Falcons, then they got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. There's a chance that they could win out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Out of those next eight games, they could easily win six of them. Yeah. And, I, it, and they, they're a team, and you, you've played against them enough. Harbaugh's teams always play better in the second half, it seems yeah. like, than the first yeah. half. They, they're they a team that's really coached well. By the way, it was Taylor Martinez. Taylor, that was That's it. who it was. Yeah, um, I thought they were the same person. <laughs> earlier, <laughs> you know me. earlier you mentioned the Cardinals traveling pretty well for, for uh, the game in L.A. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Take it or leave it. The Dolphins could be playing the Rams in L.A., and it would be majority Dolphins fans oh, yeah, in that stadium. Yeah. Definitely. I don't care how far the travel is or anything like that. I mean, legitimately right now, if you told me who would be – who would who would if you gave an entire year in advance, who would outweigh a game in that stadium right now, I would take a, more fans flying over from Germany to L.A. than actual legitimate American <laughs> Rams fans if that was the case. Yeah. Philly, hundred uh, percent. There'd yeah. be ten thousand Germans. There'd be about seventy five hundred or seventy five hundred LA residents, and that's about it. I'm with you. By the way, there's a. Uh, oh, this is a. Uh, is it a Sunday night? Let me find out. Uh, December eighth, seven fifteen game. So it'll be a national TV game. The Raiders at the Rams. That they have a capacity of seventy one thousand there. That might be seventy thousand Raider fans. It might be. That's not a that's not a not a not a tough problem for them to get from uh, Vegas to, to LA. And that's a Thursday night, yeah. a prime video game. Take it or leave it. Ham for the Vikings had his first TD in five years. Fullbacks are making a comeback. On the way. Yeah. On the way. Yep. On the, the uh, way. There's somebody named Ham that's having a good day. Good, well, no, Dar- <laughs> Darwin had a. They had a Lakers one last. They night. did win against the Brooklyn yeah, Nets. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, I love that. Take it or leave it. Unranked TCU now being 10 and 0 with a path to the playoffs is the best story in college football this season. I'm mm. going to leave that. I don't. I don't think TCU could ever be the best story in college football under any circumstances. I'm sorry, but college football doesn't want them to be the best story. They were number four in the nation and were an underdog to Texas. That tells you a lot about one, the status of the top four right now in college football, how fragile it is, and how literally I think almost any team could jump up and. The computers still don't give them the respect. Because, again, TCU being an underdog tells you what college football thinks about what, them. What would be the best story in college football? Like Tennessee's what, a pretty good Tennessee story. Tennessee is a very good story. Um, Brian Kelly? Yeah, I was – I want, You hate it, the guy, I, but the story's I, good. Listen, Randy, anybody that comes to a school and, and just takes over an accent is uh, <laughs> is, is an interesting person to but me. He, it, it worked for him, though. It's it working. It did. It has. I don't know how. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's, it is. It's inexplicable. The no. fact that that, that, that spinning, f- the 360 uh, photo is mm-hmm. a video is not a continual punchline still yeah. is shocking. To I, me. I will say this to the credit of TCU. When you're in Fort Worth, Texas, and your head football <laughs> coach is named Sonny Dax, okay. and you are undefeated mm-hmm. playing Texas football, mm-hmm. then you got something going for you. <laughs> 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 yeah, my, my, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, my my, my the, Sonny Dykes was never going to work at Cal. Okay, Cal Berkeley, Sonny Dykes, no. But he goes to TCU and he's undefeated and fourth in the country. <laughs> so Sonny Dykes again. 
names matter. I 100% yeah. agree with you. Like Again, if you were the recru- recruiting coordinator at the time where somebody handed you the, the slip at Penn State and said, I need you to recruit Paul Puzlozny, I would have said, why do I need Perfect. to recruit him? That he's guy was born he's, to play at Penn State. He's coming State. here. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes no the name matters. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, could the Blues start? A winning streak? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Sharks win the draw. They pass to the far point, and that'll do it. Bring out the Zamboni. It's a 5-3 win tonight for the Blues. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. Buck drop comes to the wall. Knights get it towards the line. Two seconds to go. They shoot. It's blocked to the corner, and that's over. Bring out the Zamboni. On the road, the Blues just beat the number one team in the league. They won back-to-back games, and a team win tonight. At T-Mobile Arena, 3-2 Blues win. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. Kerry <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Davis, Randy Carriker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Got a feeling, hey, the Blues all of a sudden <laughs> sitting there with... Uh, well, the third worst record in the National Hockey League. They, they're 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 up to Where ten they points. At? They were the worst. They, a week ago, they you were gotta, the worst. You got to start somewhere, yeah, right? So it has happened, and the Blues will take on Colorado, the Stanley Cup champions tonight. But the Blues have a little get back in their mind, right? Because of what happened last year in the playoffs, and Nazem Kadri is gone. But the Blues felt like they could have beaten Colorado, and I would think that the Blues will play. When you talk about a great team game like Curbs referenced, I would think that that will be one of the things that they'll be looking at tonight against Colorado. And after that, carry, and I said that I thought the losing streak, if they lost to San Jose, could reach 13. But now it appears as if they've turned things around. Players are playing better. And maybe they can get something going. I am not supremely confident about tonight, but you win this game against Colorado. Chicago is not as talented as the Blues. They're they're, they're actually trying to tank and failing. That's a hard thing to do, <laughs> right? Washington has struggled. Anaheim has struggled. You got back-to-backers against Anaheim on uh, Sunday and uh, or Saturday and Monday of next week. Then you have to go to Buffalo and take on Tage Thompson and the Sabres. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Blues could put together a little streak here. Tonight's going to be the key. It is. And and one thing I think that when you watch that game on Saturday, they gave up a shorthand to go. You you I mean, if you're watching that game, you're really frustrated with the 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 inability to to score on the power play. Mm-hmm. But even though they gave up that shorthand to go, tie the game up, they were able to fight back and continue to play and not get so down, not have the the, the mindset of, oh, here we go again. Oh, we're, 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 we're going to start this again. They fought through that. They were able to get the score, get the lead back, and then they were able to win the game. And that, to me, shows, a team, shows me a team that is trending in the right direction, showing a little bit more life. There were, there were some players that are starting to do some of the things that you have been wanting or asking for them to do all season. And so when you are when you start to trend in the right direction, it, it, 
you can face some adversity and not feel like you're going to falter or feel like the game is over. That's what they. That's what happened on Saturday. They had a little bit of adversity, but they were able to get right back into the game and eventually win it. And it's too early, but we have had points in recent Blues history where we've wondered if the Blues could just decline penalties. And, and that was one of those scenarios on, on Saturday night. You say, well, we're on the power play? Really? Yeah, yeah no, right, no, we don't need to. No. But when you see the people that came through, it's the people that you expect to come through, right? It was Brandon Saad scoring. You signed him to do what he did on Saturday night. It's Barbashev who scored 26 goals last year. It's O'Reilly who got his third of the year. And how long, well, throughout the eight-game winning streak, did Craig Ruby talk about, hey, it's our big players. It, right. It's our main guys that are, are causing this. And now it seems like the main guys are lifting their games. Yeah, anytime, you know, it's, it's I listen to Shaq a lot, and, and he used to say others, and it kind of bothered me a little bit because I was always an other. But when you really think about it, there are elite players on each team that have to be elite players on each team. You can have those other guys, you know, do their job, and, and sometimes they'll rise to the occasion and play a little bit better than they normally are, but you have to have your stars, your captain, your guys be the guys. They have have to be the ones that are making the plays so that everyone else can fill into their role and the team can be successful. And and I think Ryan O'Reilly was has put a lot of pressure on himself all season long with with his play or his inability to to do some things. Mm-hmm. He played very well on Saturday and and I think that is a step in the right direction for this Blues team to to start to continue to ascend in the right direction. If he's playing well, everyone else can fill into their roles and play well also. And if you want to feel a little bit better about this, I've got a thing for you. Minnesota only has 16 points, and they're in the final wild card spot right now. They've played 15 games. They have 16 points, and they're in the final wild card. They've played two more games than the Blues have. Blues have played 13. So if the Blues would win those two games in hand, be at 14, they'd only be two points out of that wild card spot. So it's not completely lost for the Blues in regards to making the playoffs. And if you look at the division now, they're only seven behind Colorado. Win tonight, and you're only five behind Colorado. What's your level of concern for the power play, or or lack thereof? I'm I'm concerned. The talent on the power play is way above what the production is at this point. So because of that, I'm concerned about what the system is doing right now. And what we hear is you, you've just got to be Joey Vitale says it. This power play appears to be predictable, mm-hmm. and they need to. At some point, just let the skill level take over. Yeah. I mean, I would say just get some pucks on net. Like, yeah. Like yeah, take right. some shots and, and hopefully get some rebounds and have some traffic in front of the net. It feels like at times, you know, hockey fans are, are notorious for screaming, shoot the puck, right? Mm-hmm. My, my dad used to watch hockey games and he would, shoot the puck! Yep. Like he's just screaming it. But there are times where you just have to actually shoot it and hope for a rebound and punch it right. back into the net. So, you know, there are, there are I think if they, they, be more if they're more aggressive at times on the power play, you'll have some more success than what they're having right now. The late great Blues general manager Ron Caron at the old arena used to sit in the press box in full view of everybody, and he would yell that shoot the puck, <laughs> you know, an old French guy with a gravelly voice. So my son Patrick, that was one of the first phrases because I would say that yeah. like Ron Caron did. <laughs> so Patrick, when he was a two years old, would say shoot the puck. <laughs> so you're exactly right. Everybody says that. The other thing, when we talk about missing 
David Braun. There's a lot of things we miss about David Braun. The leadership, the ability to calm things down. But David Braun was the one guy on this team that had a one-timer. Yeah. And that's a key to a good power play. And the Blues, which David did it on opening night but hasn't done it since, if you can get the one-timer, that makes such a huge difference on the power play. We'll see that on Wednesday night when Washington's in town. It's unbelievable how Alex Ovechkin is always open. <laughs> always on the power play. And he fires that one-timer, and lo and behold, they wind it, up getting goes a in. Talented <laughs> Russians hitting one-timers on power plays. And mm. they have to, well, the, the talented Russian has to like the one-timer before he can. Seems like it'd be a useful piece of your arsenal that by your 10th year in the league, you'd what are you saying, Rock? find some usefulness behind I don't think it. that's happening, though. What are you saying, Rock? Uh, you just general thoughts about the sport of hockey. Not anyone in particular, though. We're just, just talking. In, just, in you know, thinking out loud. Barbershop. Oh, there you Which go. Which That one. That yeah. Russian. That's yeah. the one. Okay. I don't know. The, the Red Wing used to have some. You throw them out. I'm sure that, that's who I'm talking no, about. I don't even <laughs> see <laughs> anymore. I don't, I, I don't even see any more Russians on this team. They're invisible. <laughs> oh. Chris Kerber is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It's time to head into the Blues booth with the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber. Kerbs is in Denver. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing good. How are you today? Everything's outstanding. Okay, first things first, I want to know what you've seen in the two-game winning streak that you weren't seeing in the eight-game losing streak. Uh, just, I think, uh, a little more... Well, a lot more fight to get to the front of the net, especially in Las Vegas. Uh, the Blues created some real good traffic in front of Aiden Hill. Uh, you know, jammed at the puck. They 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 worked the puck down low. It was a much better game in the offensive zone. And then, frankly, in the last two games, they helped themselves a ton. They haven't taken a penalty. Hey, Curbs, are there any players specifically that you're seeing uh, just more from than you have in the in, during that losing streak? No, listen. I, I think Terry. Really, you're seeing more from everybody. Mm-hmm. This is. It was one of those kind of streaks, guys, where so much looked wrong. I mean, all the good players were having things go haywire on them, and when the team game starts to look better, everybody starts to look better. You know, you're not chasing the puck as much, so you look a little faster. Uh, things along those kind of lines. Uh, you know, the faceoff dot. We're just doing okay. We haven't been great at times, so there's there's been a lot of uh, I think inconsistency on the faceoff dots still, in terms of winning draws. But because of the possession, because the Blues are putting the puck in areas where they can retrieve it, and then they're going in and retrieving it, and then they're 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 having some line changes while they're in the offensive zone. Uh, as Craig Berube said the other day, our defense is to play offense, and that's what they've done, and it's it's been two really good games, and that was. You know, most importantly, the, the game in Vegas was just a terrific, entertaining game. Curbs, to your point about the, the best players stepping up, Blues score three goals, and they get them from Saad, Barbashev, and O'Reilly. Eight points, five of those from Saad. O'Reilly scored a couple. Barbashev, Shen, 
you do need your best players to be your best players. And for much of that eight-game losing streak, Craig Bruby said, hey, uh, our main guys aren't producing. And for whatever reason, to have them turn it around is the difference in the team right now. Well, I like the line changes that he's made, okay? So first off, Josh Levo for two games in a row has looked really good. Just kind of holds on to the puck in the offensive zone. O'Reilly's able to get in there. There seems to be some decent chemistry with how they work uh, in the offensive zone, at least through two games. You know what you're getting with the Thomas line? That is, you know, that's 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 going to be there. They're going to get their chances. But then I, I, like, the, I like that line of Barbashev, Shen, and... And Tyru, Barbashev continues to just be that great player, North player that gets the puck in. And then, you know, Braden Shen was an absolute horse in that game last game. Like, he he was, he epitomized blue hot blues hockey every single shift last game. He hits. You know, (laughs) well, and yeah, and and he hits, you know, and and, and then I think it's also, you know, like, like take take a Jordan Tyru. Jordan Tyru's played three really good games. Uh, and, and I know he's had some veterans kind of lean on him a little bit, saying, "Hey, we need we need you to be better and work harder in some areas." And he has. And I like the fact that, frankly, Jordan Cairo's minutes have dropped a couple in the last couple of games. It's just you know, there's. I think the way the lineup has gone, it's actually just made for a little more consistent play from one shift to the next. Hey, Curbs, it's the uh, mom's trip now. I know the mom showed up uh, here in the last couple of days. Any 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 stories from any of these guys? I'm a mama's boy, so so which one of these guys is really the biggest mama's boy? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so they, we, we got in last night uh, just before dinner time. I think uh, most of the moms were here in town. Uh, haven't had a chance yet to kind of see it all in action, so – I'll, I'll follow up with you on that one, but uh, this is this is going to be a, a really neat trip. We've done the dad's trip a couple of times, and it's it's really good to see the, the, having the moms come in, you know, and and just see the interaction is going to be something I'm looking very forward to. It's a it's a different type of trip. Joe, you know, Joe Vitale was part of one mom's trip when he was playing, and he talked about how different it was in the dad's trip for him. So this is. This is really kind of a neat thing for the bombs to come in all alone and get to know each other. All right, Chris Kerber, the Blues are playing the Stan Kroenke-owned Avalanche. I still like to have the Blues beat the Avalanche for no other reason than of my disdain for him. Do we still share that trait? Uh, oh, shoot, yeah. That's never going to change, you know, if uh, I've not listen, Randy. I've not shopped at some strip malls in St. Louis because that guy owns the thing. Thank so, you. Like, okay, so I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I I hate bad people. I mean, and 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 people that that he's just a bad guy, you know. So I, I yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We share that same disdain. How about that? Can, yeah. can I just leave it at that one? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> proud of you, Curbs. Hey, hey, Curbs, on a, on another note, your New York Giants got another win. You, I, I'm proud of you as well because I thought you were going to say something else, and, and you didn't. You held back, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I just, golly, what do you – oh, man. I wonder how you – I wonder how some people sleep at night. Like, there's – like. There's there's no soul in that man. I don't, no. I don't care what anybody says. You're exactly I mean, right. 
You know, and then by the way, by the, you know, for me that that actually has nothing to do with the fact that he moved the Rams like that. That was a move that was coming. That if he didn't think that was going to happen from the moment he took it over, you know, and 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 waited till the but it's a it's the kind of thing like waits till the last hour to take it from Shad Khan when he didn't have to, mm-hmm. right? When you knew he was going to just it's those kind of things that 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 tell you that there, there's no soul in that guy. So um, I just yep. No, no love. Let's go out and let's smoke a bunny ice. Like it. Indeed. I I was asking you, New York Giants got a win yesterday. Another win, big win. Barkley has been playing well. What are your thoughts on on how far this team is? Are they they making a playoff run and they're going to make a playoff, a push in the playoffs? Oh, yeah. I think the Giants are going to win the Stanley Cup. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, I'm (laughs) – I actually, I do. It's it's so much fun to, I, it, to see them finally turn it around. It is good. Uh, I was able to watch just a little bit of the game and stuff. I haven't watched a ton of it, but uh, no, I, I, it, it is fun to see them finally get back on the winning track. And it's amazing. They've been an example. Like how how can a team stay so bad for so long? So it's about time they started performing. But they, right? I mean, look, really across the wall in the NFL right now. I mean, there's. I'd say, I'd say it's as broad a race for a championship as they've had in a while, wouldn't you think? Oh yeah, it's it's I mean, wide it's, open. It's, it's yeah, really wide open. Yeah. By the way, Curbs, along those lines, it's amazing to me that in every league that the greater New York area teams struggle as much as they do. Uh, and the Giants had that that nice run, but the Jets have been bad for the better part of half a century now. The struggles that the Knicks have endured, the Rangers going from what forty one to ninety four without winning a Stanley Cup and haven't won one since ninety four, the the Mets being bad as long as as they were. It's amazing to me that the New York teams, with all the revenue they generate, they aren't consistently better. I wonder if that's because. I wonder if that is actually because of the revenue problem. If I say the revenue problem is, okay, you're a New York team, you, you spend as much as you possibly could spend, right? But but the, you don't – spending it and spending it wisely are, are two very different things. You know, and, it, I mean, even it, even it's, t- it's taken the New York Rangers some time to kind of turn things around, and they're, they're a good team. They're an exciting team. They've, they've got some good young talent, you know, but right now I don't know that people see the New York Rangers as a threat really as a whole yet. So – uh, you, it's look. You could spend money in sports, but if you don't spend it the right way, it, it still isn't going to matter. And you're right; it is kind of amazing how an entire region of sports just is, stays as, as bad as that group has been for as long as they've been. Yep. Curbs will be tuned in tonight, seven o'clock pregame, St. Louis time, with Alex and Joey, and then you and Joey will have the call at eight. Looking forward to it, and uh, we will see you guys back home here on Thursday night. All right, guys. Have an awesome start to the week. Thanks. You, you too, Chris. Thanks. That is our buddy Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got the fight for you. Stick around. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king. Of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carricker.
Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio. We had a great time in Vegas over the weekend, I'm sure. It was. It was a good long weekend, good time in Vegas. It was my, my first time ever out there. It was good. I'm glad you're here and, and alert this morning because my weekends in Vegas usually don't lead me to come back Mondays and be very productive. Um, Yeah. Had I been at a, a different age or in a different setting, uh, it could have been differently. It could have gone differently, but uh, I think I hit the exact perfect level I needed for Vegas when it comes to gambling, enjoying the scenery, uh, you know, taking in, you know, just the the feel of Vegas. I think I think I hit a good level. The, the big question is, did, did our challenger today because, also hit that level? Because he was also in Vegas. That would be you, Rob. How are you doing this morning, sir? Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Rob, you sound like it. <laughs> you yeah, sound like a little yeah. residue from Vegas still ling- lingering there. Are you, you ready to roll? Yeah, man, just a little bit, but I'm ready. I'm All, ready. Right. <laughs> All right, here we go, Rob. Who is the last player not named Nolan Arenado to win the National League Platinum Gold, Platinum Glove Award since the award was introduced in 2011? Yadier Molina, Anthony Rizzo, or Andrelton Simmons? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Yachty. Who was the last reliever to win a Cy Young Award? Was that Francisco Rodriguez, Craig Kimbrell, or Eric Gagne? Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, let's go Eric Gagne. All right, Rob, there, there have been... Three primary receivers to win the Heisman Trophy Award. Devontae Smith as the most recent. Who was the first? Anthony Carter, Tim Brown, Desmond Howard. Um, it has only some Tim Brown, but I think it's, it's Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard. Yeah. And Tom Brady has now won an NFL game in four different countries. The USA and Germany are the easy answers after last week, and obviously he's played in London three different times in his career. What is the fourth country that he has a win? Is it Canada, Mexico, or Cuba? Mexico. We got our totals. Let's wave in Randy Carricker, who is not in my my line of sight at all. There he is. Hey, there he is. Well, f- Carrie, you know, you you always never feel great when you're going against Megamind, but I think, I, I think I'm competing a little bit. That That is a, a, a true statement. It, it is hard to uh, <laughs> know what to feel when you have Megamind here. He is here. Randy, say hello to Rob. Rob, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Just had the uh, pleasure, as I do often, of talking to John Hewlett in the hallway, oh, the legendary the John Hewlett. Uh, about the the golf at Bush Stadium. He wants to do that next year. Mm, Pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. You ready? Ready. All right. Who's the last player not named Nolan Arenado to win the National League Platinum Glove Award since the award was introduced in 2011? I believe that would have been, uh, and how it happened, I don't know. Uh, I think it was Anthony Rizzo. who How's the first baseman win a Platinum Glove? I don't know, but I think it was Rizzo. He... Who was the last reliever to win a Cy Young Award? Last relief pitcher to win a Cy Young Award. Well, you had Willie Hernandez, 1984. Obviously, Raleigh Fingers did it in 1981. 
Did Gagne win a Cy Young in the 2000s when he had that streak? Not sure. So I'll do the lifeline just in case here. Was it Francisco Rodriguez, Craig Kimbrell, or Eric Gagne? Okay, so it was not Willie Hernandez. Um, K-Rod, I don't think Kimbrell won one. I will go with Eric Gagne. All right, Randy, there have been three primary receivers to win the Heisman Trophy with Devontae Smith as the most recent. Mm -hmm. Who was the first? Charles Woodson. I'll go with Charles Woodson. My guy. Well, who? Let, let me get all three here. Okay, we'll do that. Let, you want to read the question again, really quick? Yeah. There have been three, three primary, primary receivers to win the Heisman Trophy Award. Devontae Smith as the most recent. Who was the first? Okay, so primary receivers not necessarily being wide receivers is what we're saying here. No, primary we, wide receivers. Yeah, you want it yeah. mostly. They, they on mostly the, play yeah, wide receivers. You mostly played wide receivers. So okay, so the the first one. Yes. Okay. Well, you had Devontae Smith. Obviously, you had Charles Woodson, and before that, um, hmm. I don't recall. Uh, just, yeah, I'll, okay, so Woodson was, a, I guess, not primary mm-hmm. wide receiver. Okay, so who would have been the, the first on this? I already used the lifeline. Let me go back. Uh, Devontae Smith. Um, Florida State, Miami, uh, see Oklahoma and Nebraska, they were always teams that ran the wishbone, so you wouldn't have necessarily had that, uh, thinking Big Ten, um, okay, let me just figure it out here, so this will take one second for me, um, so, it wasn't Irving Fryer. He was the first pick in the draft. Keyshawn didn't win. He was the first pick in the draft. Um, oh, hell, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll, because I don't want to take all the time, I'll just go Charles Woodson. All right, and Tom Brady has now won an NFL game in four different mm-hmm. countries. The USA yeah. and Germany are the easy ones after they won this past week. And he's played in London three different times before. What is the fourth country? Did he... Do a Mexico. And these are all regular season, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, well, where else have, have they played? So, countries outside of the United States. Um, I guess I'll go Mexico. I can't think of uh, any other country that he would have. He didn't play in any Asian countries, I don't believe. Germany, London, uh, that would be England. Uh, didn't play in Ireland, to my knowledge. Um, no Australian games. So, I guess I'll go Mexico. We have a winner of the fight, and that was an interesting getting getting a chance to watch Randy work his way through all the great wide receivers in college football, and then. I, I threw in a geography-related question like a, like a jerk and really mm-hmm. really forced the wheels to turn. So that, that, that was on me. So, after much consternation, did Randy Carricker open up the week with another win, or did Rob, fresh off his own Vegas trip, come in and spoil Randy Carricker 
Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Desmond Howard. Action. Just win, baby. We're going to get to those answers in just a moment. Randy <laughs> wins the fight 3-2 to two over Rob. Before we get to those, uh, before we uh, say goodbye to Rob, let's get to the answers. It was, of course, Anthony Rizzo, the last non-Nolan Arenado human being to win the NL Platinum Glove. He did it in 2016. He actually won two different Platinum Gloves since the creation in 2011, wow. which, again, is inexplicable. The last <laughs> reliever to win a Cy Young Award was, in fact, Eric Gagne, who won it in 2003. Mariano Rivera finished top three like three different times yep. in the early 2000s, but Gagne the only one to actually win it. I called them three primary wide receivers. The My list then was Devonta Smith, Desmond Howard, and the first wide primary wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy in 1987, Tim Brown. Oh, yeah. Forgot about Tim Brown. And then you could have shot Michigan. It was all Michigan, right? Yeah. All Michigan. And then the, <laughs> the, the one thing that could have, I think, confused people, that's why I put primary. Johnny Rogers played both wide receiver and oh. running back at Nebraska, mm-hmm. but he technically won the 1972 Heisman as a running back. back. He had more uh, carries than receptions, hence the primary thing. And Tom Brady, yes. United States, Germany, London, and then he beat the Raiders up 33-8 on November 19th, 2017 in the second ever Mexico City game for the NFL. So that's Randy Carricker with three, Rob with two. Rob, you did a good job, especially coming off a Vegas trip of your own, but unfortunately Megamind did get you by one. Yeah, man. I wouldn't have got the Rizzo one, and my uncle Alvin Miller is going to be mad at me about missing the Tim Brown one. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys. See you later. Rob with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you've got some NFL teams that are having surprising years. Faking it or making it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Fake it till you make it. But I made it. I really made it. Fake, 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 fake. Fake what? You gotta fake it till you make it. But sometimes you fake it till you make it. All right, in the NFL, usually eight or nine games left for teams pending Washington and Philadelphia tonight. But who's faking it? Who's making it? Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Let's start with the Minnesota Vikings. They came away with a victory over Buffalo yesterday. They're eight and one. They've pretty much wrapped up the NFC North. But Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. Faking it or making it? I, I for so long have thought that they were faking it. Justin Jefferson is making it. He is making every catch. He is making every play. Everything that you need to be done from the wide receiver position he's doing. And Kirk Cousins just has to get the ball in his vicinity. He's going to make a catch. He's going to make a play. They are 8-1. They lost the second game of the year to the Eagles, who is the only undefeated team in the league. I got to say that they are they are actually making it. They are a team that is going and playing really, really well. You go into Buffalo knowing who that Buffalo team is with Josh Allen um, and win the game. That is a that is a spectacular win and probably their best win of the season. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely making it. I'm going to add a little bit to that win, too. They were down 17, and they did it without their left tackle. Christian yeah. Derisaw got hurt. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think they're making it. TJ Hawkinson might be the best trade deadline addition of it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is obviously great, yeah. but Hawkinson has been huge for Cousins, 17 catches in his first two games with the Vikings. I, th- I think they're making it, too. They are. No, I said they are. Yeah. <laughs> I made it. I really made it. Okay, the Tennessee Titans CD lead the 
AFC, actually, yeah, they lead the AFC South with a record of six and three. They do have a minus two point differential, and they do have Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. They they are faking it, and and the the bad part about it is they're probably going to win that division because mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts, meh, Jacksonville definitely does not want. They're 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 not even trying. Neither are the Houston Texans. The only team that is going to beat their competition in that division is the Indianapolis Colts, and they aren't really good. They won yesterday versus a terrible, a terrible Las mm-hmm. Vegas Raiders team. Um, but Tennessee, in my opinion, they'll make the they'll make the playoffs because they somebody has to win the division. But they are definitely faking it, and they will be a first round out no matter who they play because quarterback position. You got him, Tannehill, and Malik Willis kind of vying for that position. They aren't running the ball as, as well as they have in the past, and so I, I definitely think they're faking it. Nick Westbrook Akine had a big day yesterday, scored a couple of touchdowns. Their other wide receivers are rookie Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, who's kind of used up now. I'm with you. They just don't have a legitimate passing game, which you need to have in the playoffs, with Derrick Henry essentially being their offense. I'm with you. A- and with that minus two-point differential, I think Tennessee is faking it. The fake, 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 fake. Totally. The New York Football Giants CD, and you've got quite a division there. The Giants seven and two behind Philadelphia. They're eight. No, they play tonight, and uh, that's obviously Monday Night Football. Cowboys six and three, and the Commanders pending tonight. Four and five. Are the New York Giants legit? I, everything in me wants to say no, and and really say hell no. Um, but they keep finding a way to win, and I, I'm saying no because. Daniel Jones, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. They haven't decided if they want to bring Saquon Barkley back. Those are the guys that are playing your best football right now. And so um, Saquon especially is playing really well. I still feel like it's a no because they are in a division, in a very good division with the with the Eagles and the Cowboys, even though the Cowboys took a terrible loss yesterday. Um, I'm going to say they're faking it. I don't think that they are a team that's going to – I don't think they'll make the playoffs um, just based on – they won't win the division. They're, they're, there's a chance that they will get into the playoffs, but they'll probably be a first round out as well, just like the Tennessee Titans. I think they're very similar to the Titans. Yeah, yep. They don't have established talent at the receiver position, although they have interesting names. Kenny Galladay has done it before. Wandale Robinson is a guy that has a chance. Darius Slayton, a guy who had a big day yesterday. Defensively, even though, again, they don't have great names, although Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be great, they're really well-coordinated defensively because of Wink Martindale, but I don't think that'll be enough for them in the playoffs either. I think that the Giants are faking it, too. I'm making it up. All right. Let's go across, well, not across town. Let's go across the stadium to the Jets, the New York football Jets. So far this season, unbelievably, because they've been bad for such a long time. But in you, look, you look at those AFC East standings, you've got the Patriots at 5-4 and four bringing up the rear. The Dolphins are 7-3, and three, the Jets are 6-3, and three, and the Bills are 6-3. and three. I don't know what to say about this one. <laughs> I, I, again, the New York football Giants and the New York football Jets are, are essentially the same team to me, just in different colors. Um, but I, I think that the Jets have a little bit more to them. They're just in a tougher division. That division is going to be hard to win. And you may get three teams out of that division to make it to the playoffs, but you want to win the division, and that's going to be a hard task in front of them. I, I will say that the way that they run the football – Zach Wilson, if he takes care of the ball and does not turn it over, Sauce Gardner is is probably you know the, one of the best draft picks of this offseason. and they have done the Jets have done a fantastic job of drafting over the last four or five years. 
I'm going to say they're making it. I think they'll make it into the playoffs. I don't know that they win the division, but I do think they are a playoff team, and they are they are surprisingly a very good football team. Kerry, they remind me. This is going to sound weird, but if you think about it, it makes sense. They remind me of the 2019 49ers that went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Running team, all right, a quarterback that you don't really trust, right. but maybe he has a chance. You've got multiple running backs. You've got a good offensive line. Uh, you've got a really talented defense and a fierce up front four. And Sala was part of that 2019 yeah. 49ers. That's what they remind me of. I don't think they'll go to a Super Bowl, but I'm going to say that they're making it. I'm going to say the Jets, taking receipts, are making it. I didn't have a clever drop for that one. Okay. <laughs> and finally, finally, Tua got votes uh, in the senatorial election in Florida. He did. So that might legitimize the Dolphins in and of itself. But the Dolphins lead their division. I kind of think, CD, that under Mike McDaniel, not McDaniels, I think under Mike McDaniel, I think they're legit. No S. Not on his. No. Josh has an S. Mike does not. Okay. All right. Well, I think that the Dolphins are making it. I think that they are a team... Uh, you look at their wins. Their couple of losses came when Tua got hurt against the Bengals, and then they lost the next week to the Jets. Um, and then they lost to the Vikings. Those are their three losses. They lost those three games in a row. They are they are a team that is running the football well. They are throwing the football well. And they are playing very good defense. And, and those are the formula. Those are the recipes for success. And then they have a schedule where I think they can continue to win games. So I think they're going to they, – they, they will – and and to to right now this AFC East division is is it's just it's top heavy. Mm-hmm. Those three teams are are really playing well. I think between them and the Bills, I think Bills will get some things righted, and they have to win pretty much win out in the division to win the the division. But I think that Miami does have an opportunity. They're in the front to to go to the to to win the division and go to the playoffs. I'm saying they're making it, and it's because of Tua, a guy that no one, most people did not think he was going to be what he is. And and Tyreek Hill. Is Tyreek Hill, no matter where you put him on this earth, it doesn't matter who's throwing him the football, he's catching it. So he's a, he's a special talent. I saw a great point on that. Robert Mays uh, tweeted out that last year teams stopped playing man and only played really zone against Patrick Mahomes. And this year, Tua Tagovailoa is seeing the least amount of man and seeing the most zone in the league. What possibly could have changed between those two teams, the way that Tyreek completely shifts every piece mm-hmm. of the game plan and has completely just changed what he's able to do now, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he's got another speedster and Jalen Watt on the other side. It's seismic the amount of shift that Tyreek Hill has forced every other team to make around that offense. When you think about the addition of Jeff Wilson to Raheem Mostert, and you have the aforementioned Hill, Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Mike Gusecki, uh, Teron Armstead back at left tackle, loaded offensively, defensively. They, not only did they get Wilson at the trade deadline, they got Bradley Chubb to rush the passer. They're going to get Byron Jones back. When Jones is healthy, Jones and Xavier Howard are the two best corners. That's the mm-hmm. best corner tandem in the NFL. Again, another uh, defense that is really well coordinated. I think that if there's a team that we don't think about at the start of the playoffs that could cause havoc, 
for Buffalo, Baltimore, and Kansas City, I think Miami is the team that could cause havoc. They have a they, because they have everything, and they mm-hmm. have a, they, they they added Jeff Wilson to that running back core. They already have Raheem Mostert. They got rid of Chase Edmonds. Um, they run the ball well. <laughs> they pass the ball well, and they're protecting the quarterback for the most part. And like you said, defensively, they're they're flying around and making big plays. They got Bradley Chubb in the trade deadline. They are a team poised to make a big playoff push and, and showing that they are ready to do so. That is Faking It or Making It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, today's big thing. Aside from Georgia, who is a threat to win the national championship? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brandy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. It was a tough weekend for the Fighting Illini. Carrie is actually despondent over this. The Fighting Illini, with that loss, fall to 4-3 and three in the conference. Now they're tied with Purdue, but Purdue holds a tiebreaker over the Fighting Illini because they beat them head-to-head. Illinois is 7-3, and three, Purdue is 6-4, and four, and Kerry, you and I both thought that they could make it, the, the Fighting Illini could make it to the championship game. Now you think that there's a chance that they could lose out. Randy, you know, one of the things that it's a, it's a hard morning for me, Randy. It, it, but it is unlike, it is not unlike any other Sunday or, or, or Monday mornings that I've had in the past where I have such high hopes for my Illini and things just go haywire. They go left. So our Illini were leading the, the, the Big Ten West um, with, a, with, an, with a clear path to make it to the playoffs, to, to make it to the championship, Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. If they took care of their business at home, you take a loss to Michigan State, a terrible loss to a Michigan State team who at the time was was uh, two and four. Uh, you take a loss to Purdue, that, that they 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 two and four in the, in the in the division. They are not a very good football team. Neither one of those teams, and and you put yourself in a position to go straight to Indianapolis to staying and going to the, I don't know, whatever obscure bowl that plays early December. That, that's where the Illini are right now because now, Randy, you have to go to Michigan where two weeks ago when you were going up against Michigan State, you felt like that's a win. Mm-hmm. You were going against Purdue. You felt like that's a win. So now you're sitting at a team that is 9-1 uh, and one, heading into Michigan with all of the things in front of you that you hope for, a clear path to win the Big Ten West, and you go and take those two losses. And I know Illini fans will say, oh, there were bad calls by the refs. There were things that happened that were out of our control. You didn't win. You lost at home mm-hmm. to two teams. Michigan State is 5-5 five and five right now. Purdue is 6-4. and four. You should not have lost those games to either one of those opponents. And it, it for me, it's, it's so frustrating to be an Illini. It's so frustrating to to have all of these high hopes. But I I, I knew Randy. I, I think I told you about a few years back where the Illini started six and zero, and my mm-hmm. best friend, one of my good friends from Illinois, told me, "Hey man, go check them out. They're winning." And we lose to Ohio State, and then we didn't win another game the rest of the season. And so that's the history of being an Illini. They did it to themselves though. 
Yeah, no one to blame. Now you're behind uh, Purdue in the, in the in the Big Ten West, and they probably and they have the clear path to go to the championship game as opposed to you. And it's nothing that you can do about it because your opportunity was there and you failed. Another team that missed out on their opportunity this year is Alabama, and they had to come back to knock off Ole Miss this weekend. They get to five and two in the conference, but LSU has already wrapped up the SEC West because they beat Alabama, and so Alabama can only finish 6 and 2 and if LSU loses to uh they have A&M e- even if they would lose to A&M and finish 6 and 2 and Alabama would finish 6 and 2 LSU is going to the championship game against Georgia Alabama won't have any other opportunities. Alabama yep. is going to play in a regular bowl game this yep. year. And maybe it'll be a New Year's Six because they are Alabama. But in terms of playing in the Final Four, they aren't going to be in it at all. No, they won't. And, and you know, it's a, it's a change in college football. Clemson won't be in it either. Alabama mm-hmm. won't be in it either. I, I think you would – I would need somebody to tell me when the last time uh, neither one of those teams were not in the college – in the Final Four because they have been the programs that you look at – you know, over the the history of this this college fl- football playoffs, and say those two teams you can mark in year in and year out. And so, uh, the SEC is showing that they have more than just Bama, and Georgia is playing outstanding. Tennessee is trying to find a way back into the Final Four. LSU is 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 probably not going to make it because they already have two losses, but they are a team that is 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 showing that they can play at a high level as well. So, would you are, be surprised if they would beat Georgia in the SEC championship I wouldn't, game? I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised at all. And and then you have complete chaos, which I am all for, Randy. Yeah. I'm all for chaos, chaotic things happening in this football playoff to figure out who are the final four teams to get in. Okay, I'm on the uh, ever accurate Wikipedia page. Oh yeah. So the first year you had Alabama in there. Second year you had Clemson and Alabama. Third year you had Alabama and Clemson. Fourth year, you had Clemson and Alabama. Fifth year, you had Alabama and Clemson. Sixth year, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. Seventh year, Alabama and Clemson. Eighth year, Alabama and Clemson was not in it. So there, there's never been, never a, year been a year where Alabama and Clemson or Clemson weren't in the CFP. It, it is amazing. And that, that I think that speaks to what college football may be becoming because the transfer portal allows kids to go wherever they want to go, whenever they want to go. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that balances things out where you don't have five-star kids sitting on the bench at Alabama and not going to these other programs and having an opportunity to play right away. And that is going to give... Ultimately, if they do play their cards right, that's what could give schools like Mizzou and Illinois a chance. At some point, because you, you're going to have opportunities for those guys to come in and play right away. I think it's great for college football. I think it, it the NIL and, and, and the transfer portal have been a great thing for the players. Mm-hmm. You know, it, This whole time, college football has been about everyone else other than the guys that are on the field. And so now this is kind of shifted where the players are, are reaping some of the benefits of, of what college football truly is. So I'm glad for them. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we played over-under over the weekend, and we'll give you those results next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. season we're going to aggregate all of our over under records and then the person that loses is going to have to do something that is unpleasant for them (laughs) this weekend tcu in texas texas was favored by seven the over under was 64 and a half and carrie and matthew said 
Big 12, that one's going over. I took the under, as did Grant Francis, who was in for Matthew on uh, Thursday and Friday. Those two teams combined for only 27 points. So Absolutely amazing. Unreal. I got that one right. Bama and Ole Miss. The over-under was 64.5. They combined for 54. Carrie and Matthew both got the under correct on that one. I thought they would go over, and they did not. Uh, Illinois and Purdue. That was a 44.5, and that seemed like a lock of the week, right? A 44.5 under for that one. Everybody took the under. Yep. They combined for 55 points. <laughs> and another lock of the week was Mizzou and Tennessee to go over 56 and a half. And if you remember, I said, I think Tennessee goes over 56 and a half by themselves. Yeah. Yep. And they did. The over-under was 56 and a half. We all took the over in that game. And they scored 90 between them. Luther Burden to score a touchdown was plus 180. If you laid the bet down, you got 180 when you put down 100. And Kerry didn't think he would. Both Randy and Matthew said he would. And Luther Burden did score a touchdown. So we got that one right. All right, let's move to the NFL. Seattle and Tampa Bay in Munich. The over-under was 44 and a half. They combined for 37. Carrie and I thought they would go over. Matthew thought they, they would go under, and they did. Mm, mm, mm. This is not looking good for me at all thus far. Oh, just wait. Yeah, it gets worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, we, we thought, everybody thought, New Orleans and Pittsburgh would go under. The over-under was, actually not everybody thought that. The over-under was 40 and a half. And uh, both Carrie and Randy thought that they would go over on that one. They did go under. And Matthew, congratulations on picking that under for that game. I picked so many unders, and I and I hate myself that it worked. Looking back, CD, I don't know how we did that. I don't know either. I I, I think I think the thought was by week for Pittsburgh. By week for Pittsburgh, New Orleans figuring some things out yeah. offensively, and yeah, no. Didn't happen. We would not be good gamblers. Nah. Dallas was a five-point favorite at Green Bay. They wound up losing the game. The over-under was 43. The teams combined for 59. Kerry and Matthew took the under in that game. I did take the over, and so I got that one correct. I couldn't bet the Packers week-to-week if my life depended on it. I have no idea. Oh, no, I have no, no idea what Packers I, team is going to show up. I have no idea if their wide receiver is going to choose to catch a ball at any point in the game. I have no idea if Aaron Rodgers at this point is going to throw more than 10 times and a half. It, it, it is mind-boggling. Christian Watson caught three touchdowns yesterday. Who, yeah. who would have thunk it? Well, the over-under in that game for total touchdowns was four and a half. Kerry took the over. I took the over. Matthew took the under. They wound up combining for eight touchdowns. So Kerry and I both Scored got that one right. Four in the first half. Yeah. That was easy. And then Minnesota and Buffalo, the over-under was 43 and a half. They scored 63 between them. We all took the over. And so at the end of the day, you've got Kerry finishing at four and six this week. Matthew finishing at six and four. I finished six and four. And congratulations to Grant Francis for finishing five and five. Good job, this Grant. Should have put some money down. More about football than I do, clearly. All of our over-unders came, by the way, from our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. So we appreciate them. And uh, we aren't good at this. No, no. I, I, I struggle week in and week out. As, as Rock said, sometimes you just don't know who's going to show up. Green Bay actually showed up, and mm-hmm. it was a surprise because they hadn't showed up pretty much all season. They were, they've been struggling, and they stink. You know what but they, they sh- didn't stink yesterday. You know what they did yesterday? They did what they should have been doing all year long. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers put the ball in the air 20 times. And, and you, that may be the that may it, you may sh- be on on point with that. What they should have been doing all year long is pounding it with Jones and Dylan. Fourteen for twenty. There you go. Twenty t- twenty passes. Randy, Randy, we we figured out what the problem with was the Packers back on Tuesday. We figured out the, we know what coaching tree you come from. 
you should be running the San Francisco 49ers offense right now with Jimmy Garoppolo. Because right now you have a better version of what Garoppolo is than Aaron Rodgers. Even with the, the bad things he's having, I'll still give him that. And what I saw yesterday was a very 49ers-looking game. There was second and, second and long, they were doing those weird pitches to Jones, yeah. to Jones and Dylan trying to get him going. They were trying little trick plays, little stretch plays. In, in situations where they almost always threw the ball last year or earlier this season, they were running the ball. I saw exactly what we were talking about, Randy. You're from the 49ers. You're from the Shanahan coaching tree. You have the running backs. You have a better offensive line. You don't have the receivers. Run that Shanahan offense. Use a lot of play action. Get Rodgers out where he's so good at throwing on the move, and that's what we saw, and I think we should see more of it, and maybe the Packers are going to maybe right the ship a little bit, be a wild card team. There, there was one series, the last series of, of regulation, where Aaron Rodgers clearly wanted to run the football, and he mm-hmm. let Lafleur know on the sideline. With some choice words, he <laughs> run the ball, man. Yeah, We don't need to throw it here. We don't need to fool anybody. Run the ball, pick up the first down, maybe call a timeout, maybe take a shot play to try to get a field goal before the end of the game. But they did have a, they had a very good game plan, and figured they're seeming to figure some things out. They're running the football. Uh, Aaron Jones had 138 yards. Uh, A.J. Dillon had 65. They're putting the ball on the ground, carrying the football, and that seems to be the recipe for their success. Too late. It might be. Oh, yeah, they're not going to win. They can't catch Minnesota. No, and I don't think they can make the playoffs. Probably not. No. Hey, we've got a chance for you to score a four-pack of tickets to tomorrow night's Billikens game at Chaffetz Arena. They take on Memphis. Memphis. Billiken tickets on sale now at slewbillikens.com. Okay. So here is our question of the day. Be texture number 80, texture number 80 to 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And if you text us at 65780 and you are number uh, texture number 80 to answer this question correctly, then you will get the tickets for the Billikens and Memphis tomorrow night. Memphis used to be known as Memphis State. What? Hall of Fame St. Louis athlete attended Memphis State. What Hall of Fame St. Louis athlete attended Memphis State? Texture number 80. Is that a is that a St. Louis native or a guy who played for a St. Louis team? Guy that played for a St. Louis team. Gotcha. Just yep. to make Hall sure. of Fame St. Louis athlete that played here. Texture number 80 to 65780. If you can give us that one, then uh, you'll get four <laughs> tickets to the Billikens game tomorrow night against Memphis, formerly Memphis State, at Chaffetz Arena. Still coached by Penny Hardaway? Yeah, that's, they that's still, still are. The that's still a thing that's happening. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we've got rock and roll. Stick around. It's coming your way. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Congratulations to Bill in Chesterfield. He was texter number 80 that was aware of the fact that the Hall of Fame athlete that played in St. Louis and attended Memphis State was the one, the only, the great Isaac Bruce. And when Memphis plays football here at the Dome in September against Mizzou, Isaac is going to make a special trip in for that. So we're looking forward to it. Heck cool. yeah, I love that. Yeah. So he's one of the best. All right, time Very to rock and roll. Best. Um, one score uh, by, I did, and congratulations to Bill going to the game tomorrow. Of course, Bill. It's going to be an enjoyable one. One thing I didn't mention there in my Sports Center update was the basketball scores. Both Mizzou and SLU had lower conference teams. <laughs> 
And the games were too, were in some cases closer than they should have been. The first of all, we had Slew down by two points at against Evansville in the first half. Now, here's the funny thing for me personally. I'm a bad fan, but I couldn't, couldn't help myself. When I went to the kiosk on uh, Saturday morning. In Vegas. In Vegas. Evansville was plus 9,000. Oh, so you're betting I put some money on that, oh, and so, and so, and I also put, I also had some other bets going too. But nonetheless, I was watching that game differently than I would have in any other situation, which was funny to me. But I think the better story of of a crazy game has to be Mizzou and Lindenwood. So Lindenwood traveled to Columbia to face off against Mizzou. The betting line closed at 28 and a half points. Ooh. Why is this so important? Well, it's important because in the last minute of the Missouri Lindenwood game. The score had gotten to 80, 79 to 53. 26 points. 79 to to 53. So if you took Lindenwood with the points, you're sitting pretty. You're feeling great right now. Well, the last three seconds of the game had yet to be played because Ben Sternberg, who is a senior transfer from Cleveland State, he got in 10 games total at Cleveland State in his career. This is his first time playing for Mizzou. Would have played for Coach Gates there, Would have played for, yeah, exactly. He got... Got, got in the game. He played one minute. Randy, he took one shot, and that was the three-pointer at the buzzer, and that thing hit nothing but the bottom of the net, and that made the final score 82-53, to 53, completely flipping it. One of the worst bad beats you're ever going to see, especially in college basketball. Takes it from a 26-point game, obviously, to 29 on the other side of that 28-and-a-half spread for Lindenwood. There was a couple videos from Mizzou fans, including some of them going absolutely nuts when the shot got hit. I'm not sure exactly why they were going nuts, if it was anger or pure joy, but as someone who who, who lived some, some very bad beats in the moment over the weekend, this moment spoke to me. <laughs> now, we're not saying that this young man knew what the point spread was. No, he, of course he, not. He, he, he had no way of knowing. He's only gotten in 10 games in his career. He's going to get no out way. there. He's going to get no out there and take a shot. There's no way he has a chance to, to, to change anything. But with that being said, there are some people to, today or, la, or, or when that shot took place extremely happy <laughs> or extremely frustrated. Yeah. And, and I mean like pulling extremely. their hair out yeah. frustrated or just jumping with joy. Probably, probably – the ones pulling their hair out are, yeah. are, are more. I mean, you you go, you you know. It's hard to think that somebody's going to win by twenty eight. I'm guessing that Mr. Sternberg probably doesn't have the FanDuel Sportsbook. He, he, he's a student. He got in the game. He's going to take a he, shot. He's probably the guy that never plays. Right? He played yeah. ten games. There you go. I did, he's ta- he's played sixteen minutes and he's taken eight shots. And that's here's why good the for him. There you go. For yeah. him. Yeah. The students when a guy like that gets into the game, they, they want to see him. Yep. Yeah. Just so happens that it mattered. It it, it made a sure difference did. in someone's betting line, and someone, someones out there are and, extremely frustrated with that. And this led led me to my bigger point from over the weekend, which was this was my first time in Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, as much as I and I will put down a few over unders whenever we play over under the ones that I feel really good about, or if I can if I can find a, a parlay of all four of my college bets, I'll put them down. But I have never been the sports betting person to the level that even some people that we know here at the station, I just never have been that person. I changed. 
I changed on uh, Thursday the first time I walked into a sports book at that level. We have some good ones here in St. Louis, or not in St. Louis, in the St. Louis uh, metro area, I guess I should say. But, man, it is just a complete game changer where you can just sit there, rifle through your bets, sit back, watch the games, make your bets, go make a couple other ones. The amount, I mean, again, I put down, I put down a fair amount of sports bets, plenty of over-unders in my life. But never have I put down this many first quarter, first half, oh, third yeah. quarter, over-unders, totals, money lines. It's a complete game changer. I don't know how Missouri is blowing it the way they are. This is the life. Oh, yeah, it's great. By the way, <laughs> I say this as a Lindenwood grad, okay, who really appreciates their program, being mm-hmm. Division One now. If you are betting on Lindenwood basketball, 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Dial now. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Dial or dial now. Yeah, it's okay. Also, if you don't want to watch Mizzou basketball because you've been conditioned not to want to watch Mizzou basketball, mm-hmm. which I can't blame you for, but please mm-hmm. give it a chance. Bet the overs every chance you possibly get this year. Oh, really? Mizzou okay. basketball. Oh my god, they do not. They shoot the ball. I mean, it's seven seconds or less suns out there, including the defensive, including including the defensive scheme right now. I mean, they're just every time down there, they get down there and shoot the ball immediately, and they're not even playing right now. One of the best player, one of the best scorers in college basketball, Isaiah Mosley, isn't getting time right now for Mizzou, which is inexplicable. And also, that's a that's a slight little Mizzou storyline that I haven't dove into completely, but um, a little consternation from the fan base and not a lot of answers from Dennis Gates why the big time transfer is not getting big minutes. So I mean, there's some there's there's already some stuff developing down at Mizzou. And again, if you don't want to get into that all that mess or if you don't want to worry about betting the the, the point spreads on ridiculous on on smaller newly division 1 schools, just bet the over every time with Mizzou. They shoot the just they shoot the crap out of the ball. It's insane. It's just it's it's honestly but but Let's my my, my yep. sports betting perspective over the weekend completely changed. I also have never reacted to a bad beat the way I reacted to one on Saturday evening. The Pelicans were playing the Rockets, and at one point, there was a step-back jumper, and the player hit the jumper, and I jumped out of my seat because I just won, a, mm-hmm. I won an over-under bet in the first quarter. They blow, they blow a whistle, and they call the bucket back for an <laughs> offensive foul, a push-off, oh, no. a push-off offensive uh. foul. And I'll tell you this right now, the person I was with looked at me and said, well, that's a side of you I never wanted to see and never want to see again. And here's the thing, though. You cannot blame people when you get a bad beat. For the reaction videos you see from that Mizzou Lindenwood video, no judgment should ever be shown down upon these people. After them, And I would have been with you, Randy. I would have been like, listen, if you're betting overrunners on Lindenwood basketball as much as we love them, get some help. But the reaction to... The bad beat on the over-under is the more important part. It's the most legitimate thing in the world. You cannot get over it in the moment. Those first 60 seconds after it happens, it's the most one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I'll agree. I was an ugly person as soon as that mm-hmm. ref called that foul. I was an ugly person, <laughs> but I was enjoying myself. You're only enjoying it when you're winning. That's the thing about the the, the casino and, and, and gambling in general. Like, you have fun. Yeah. Gamble responsibly. You know, it changes the way you it, watch a game. It, it makes does. it more entertaining. It does. Like watching football for me is because I do fantasy football. Mm-hmm. It's not about the teams. I don't have a team that I root for. I, I want the Steelers to win, but mm-hmm. I don't have a team that I'm like, yeah, those guys got to win because no, I want my fantasy guys to do well because it's I'm gambling on them. I'm 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 trying to make some money off of, of what's going on. Two other uh, Vegas-specific things. One thing, St. Louis. I just got to give St. Louis a hand for showing out. The amount of Blues jerseys and St. Louis people I ran into this weekend was 
unbelievable for Saturday night's mm-hmm. game against the Vegas Golden Knights. It was, I mean, there was Blues jerseys everywhere. John Hammond too. Blues fans showed up and showed out. I was very impressed by that. And also, I want to give a shout out to a listener, Kevin, who had texted into the show on Wednesday talking about if he should still go to Vegas because the Blues were sucking. He still went to Vegas. He still went to the game. Brought home a Blues win, I want to say that. And at one point, he found me at the sports book, and I got to hang out with Kevin for a little bit, a listener for the show, talk about how much he loves the show, talk about how much he loves Randy. I'm going to get him on here, the fight in a few weeks, uh, and stuff like that. So the show reaching out to the point where I was able to meet new people and talk to new people in Vegas and talk to some people who were in Blues jerseys, I was just so impressed with the Blues fans showing out and also the fans on this show traveling hundreds of miles and still finding a way to just – you know, you know, sit down and, and talk some sports to me. It was the absolute best. I, I loved seeing both those things combined. BLIS, best listeners in sports. There we go. Indeed. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, Danny Mack, the voice of the Cardinals on Valley Sports Midwest, talking a little ball on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy Carricker with you, and Paul Goldschmidt is going to wind up with a lot of awards, and one of those that you can vote on if you go to cardinals.com is the Heart and Hustle Award. It's voted on by Major League alumni and active players, presented annually to a player who demonstrates a passion for the game of baseball and best embodies the values, spirit, and traditions of the game. It's going to be presented on Friday on MLB Network, and Paul Goldschmidt is the Cardinal representative, so you can go to MLB.com and vote for Goldie right now. In addition to that award, he is most likely, I would think, CD, going to win the National League Most Valuable Player Award. Yeah, I'm looking at it's on Thursday, I believe, 6 mm-hmm. p.m. Eastern on MLB Network when, when that will be announced. Him and Arenado are, are both in the running. My only fear is that they don't uh, split votes between the two of them. Um, I think Goldie was definitely the better player throughout the entire year, and you know most people will look at the last month or so in, into the playoffs and feel a little bit frustrated. I know Cardinals fans are, but his entire season, this is based off of, of the entire season, and what he did uh, was outstanding and, and well-deserving of that award. And the Cardinals certainly could use another impact bat. I, I'm a believer and I kind of have changed now. I used to be a believer that when the pitcher was hitting, you needed three impact bats. I think you need four okay. now. And one of those needs to be behind the plate because I don't think you're going to get oomph in the middle of your lineup from second base or shortstop. Yeah. You hope that it might come from Dylan Carlson. You hope that it might come from Tyler O'Neill. So one of those, I would think, has to be your catcher. And then I really do think... CD, that Jordan Walker is going to come up at some point in the season and make an impact for this team, much like Chris Duncan did in 2006 when he came up and hit 20 home runs for the Cardinals. I think when you are looking at what you have on the roster now and you know what those guys are capable of, but what they are going to, and you know what they're capable of, but they haven't shown it, I guess, consistent enough for you to believe that that is going to be there. I, I agree with you. Going out and getting that bat uh, behind the plate for me is I, I've been a Wilson Contreras guy. I thought he was going to be here. Um, you know, when they were talking about the trade deadline, it may be a possibility of him coming here, and then he doesn't get traded at all, and now he's gonna he's going into free agency, and you're looking at this guy and saying, hey. 
this is a bat that plays and can play well. He he he's obviously familiar with St. Louis playing the Cardinals as many times as he does with the Cubs. So it's a guy that I I am hoping that they go out and get. I hope that that's the first player that they decide to go after that, you know, they've talked about how they're going to spend the money this offseason and how they're 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 willing to spend more money. So hopefully it starts there with catcher and then maybe we can get Tyler O'Neill healthy. Maybe mm-hmm. Dylan Carlson can show you more of what he is on a consistent basis. We're all excited about Jordan Walker and him coming up and and being, you know, that guy, the guy that can do everything. You have a you have a very good lineup. If you get that bat behind the plate, you'll be even better. Hey, and if if you could get Contreras and get into a situation where when Jordan Walker comes up, there isn't the pressure right. inherent in being the best prospect in baseball. If you can bring him up and he's your number seven hitter, because two through six are Goldschmidt, Arenado, O'Neill, Carlson, Contreras. Yep. Then all of a sudden, you've really got some depth to the lineup. And one other thing I wanted to bring up, Kerry, is we're, we talk a lot about Cardinal prospects in St. Louis because we're baseball people. And we've heard a lot about Jordan Walker. We've heard a lot about Mason Wim. We've heard a lot about Gordon Graceffa, who made a, a huge jump. Mm-hmm. John Mozeliak said the two players that made the biggest jump in the Cardinal system this year were Graceffa as a pitcher and Mason Wynn as a shortstop. They just finished the Arizona Fall League, and the Arizona Fall League pitcher of the season was a 5'11 left-hander that the Cardinals have. He was at Memphis. His name is Connor Thomas, and he was sensational in the Arizona Fall League. And I kind of think that this is a left-hander that has a chance, because the Cardinals still can use left-handed relief, I would think that he'll have a chance coming out of spring training to be, at the very least, a bullpen guy. Had a 1.75 ERA, the second best ERA of any starter in the Arizona Fall League. High ground ball rate guy. He struck out 11.9 per nine innings in the Arizona Fall League. So this might be a watershed moment for Connor Thomas. It, it, and, 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 you know, it, it may be a good moment for the Cardinals as well because now you have multiple people, multiple players, where you can you can do some willing and dealing if you decide to do so. You know, we talk about prospects versus a known commodity, a guy that you know can come in and, and, and hit right away, field right away, as, as opposed to someone that is a, is a young guy coming up in the ranks and trying to figure out if he's able to handle major league hit uh, pitching. You got guys where you can move things around if you need to, and and the Cardinals should be in a much better position going into this year than they were oh, yeah. all of last season. And think about it from this perspective. At the beginning of last year, you had Libertor and Zach Thompson, and you're telling yourself, uh, I don't want to move a left-hander because they're, they're pretty valuable. Right. Now, with what you've seen of those two guys, depending on what you're looking for, if you really like Connor Thomas, then all of a sudden – you have the ability to move a Libertor or a Zach Thompson in a deal to get something that you really feel like you either want or need. What would that want or need be? If let's say you you sign Wilson Contreras as you a, sign as, Wilson a Contreras. as a free agent, what is the next the the next thing that you absolutely feel like you need? Because now you're saying you got Goldie Ar- Arenado, you got Wilson in in, in the fold as hitters. Um, you're hoping that Dylan and and either Dylan or Tyler can come in and mm-hmm. do what they are capable of, but they haven't done it consistently enough. What would be the next thing or the next person that you would take a hard look at and say, that person could help this lineup? I believe that Pablo Lopez of the Marlins has a chance to be a front-of-the-rotation guy for a really good team. Okay, He's got great stuff. 
he's not in a good place in Miami at this stage. But it, when you talk about young guys, that's what they'll be after. And let me just throw some names out there. If 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 you're convinced that Brendan Donovan can be your second baseman for a year and you've got Mason Wynn on the way and you know that he's going to be your shortstop, then you look at a situation where you you look at a Gorman and a Libertor for a guy like Pablo Lopez. And by the way, you acquired a minor league shortstop last week, a, mm-hmm. a middle infielder that can play either shortstop or second base for mean from the Indians. So you might have that guy as a backup. Something interesting to me here, we just got a text here. Guys, talk about the current 2023 rosters using the word if way too much. Cardinals need more certainty, a catcher, left-handed hitter, and starting pitcher. Here's my thing. At any point in the season when you're talking about the next year, saying if is all you can really do. Because yeah. listen, Corey Dickerson should have hit better the, the 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 majority of the season than he did except for a 10-game span. You know, you know, Jack Flaherty should have been healthy. You know, even going in with things you think are solidly, logically set because of the past can completely just fall apart, like, you know, and, and just fall like fall through your hands like sand because that's just the nature of baseball. You might get a guy who's got a career OPS plus of 116 and you might get him for a season where he hits 85 across 400 at bats because that's how these things can shift sometimes. You're always playing with if even when you think you know what you got. When you have a young guy like Tyler O'Neill, did you really think when he's getting MVP consideration one year that he was ever going to be an if again in the way he is now? The of course Mets not. won 101 games. If we can get Brandon Nimmo back. If they can sign Jacob deGrom. If Max Scherzer can stay healthy at the age of 39. If Edwin Diaz can have another great year rather than the terrible year that he had in 2021. Every team has ifs. Yeah. The, the Dodgers are saying, if we can find a shortstop, if we can replace Justin Turner at third base, if we can replace Tyler Anderson, uh, if Clayton Kershaw can stay healthy. The Dodgers are a pretty good organization. I think there's only one National League franchise right now that's not saying if, and that's the Braves. Yeah, they, they are pretty set and solid in what they have. Yeah. And, and and to get to the point where you're the Braves, you have to take a couple of huge swings by bringing up double-A guys, handing them yeah. huge contracts, and it working out perfectly. And by the way, again, if any kind of Tyler O'Neill-esque drop-off happens for any of those young guys in Atlanta— Conversation's going to sound right. different there as well. Right. And by the way, we aren't even a week into free agency and, and the offseason. Teams haven't made trades. Teams haven't signed the big free agents yet. So, uh, yes, there are a lot of ifs for the Cardinals. And, by the way, there will be a lot of ifs. There's a lot of Cardinals ifs in mid-November. Two months from today, uh, December, January, three months from today, when they open spring training CD, there are still going to be ifs. Yep. Because we're going to have questions about a 41-year-old Adam Wainwright. We're going to question whether or not Jack Flaherty can stay healthy. We're going to question whether or not Jordan Montgomery can do it for a whole year for the Cardinals. We're going to question Miles Michaelis' ability to stay healthy. We're going to question Ryan Helsley as the closer again. Every single team, Houston Astros included, and if you didn't see Justin Verlander, the Cy Young Award winner to be in the, the American League, he opted out of his contract, and they probably aren't bringing him back. Every single franchise is going to have ifs starting the 2023 season. That's what makes sports so fun. Guys get an opportunity, and when your opportunity is in front of you, you got to make the most of it. If we're, not, we're in the Minnesota Vikings saying, man, if we could just get Kirk Cousins to not turn the ball over all the time. We'll be 8-1. And, <laughs> and there they are. <laughs> yep. Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. good. It was it, it was strong it was, today. It was good for a Monday. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I I was traveling with a much smarter traveler, and we got back at 
10, 15 a.m. on Sunday. Oh, good. You're fine. So so not a lot of sleep on Saturday night, but when you get to the city you live in, even if you don't get a ton of sleep, just being back earlier and having more hours just to, like, settle everything down and reset – it was it was easily the best way to travel. I completely have to change how I travel. From we now. had assumed <laughs> that, that the alcohol would not have left your system by yeah. now. Well, it hasn't completely. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm 31 years old, and I I'm, I'm not I'm not a huge drinker in the first place. And and Thursday, Friday, and Saturday I was. So it's it's yeah. I'm not at 100, percent but I'm doing better than I thought. Good job, pleasure. Uh, Thank CD, you. this was a fun Monday. Go Hawks. Which ones? Either any, <laughs> any. Atlanta Hawks, uh, Seahawks. Come on, you have some of some of your players got to be playing basketball this year, right? Yeah, go Hawks. Go for them. Be playing yeah. basketball. Come yeah, on, now. absolutely. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today.